Hello, my fellow Westorians. It is Monday, it is 7, it is time to dig into episode 5, The Bells. So, Sean, I think I have a... Uh, this is normally the kind of thing we do in our predictions episode, but, you know, I have this feeling, this very strong feeling, that episode 6 is going to begin with a brief flashback where it's revealed that all that time, Danny was on top of her dragon going, Stop! Drogon, stop! <laughs> Don't do that! What are no, you doing? No, up, up! <laughs> yeah, up! Anti-Dracarus! Anti-Dracarus! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anti-Dracarus. Not Dracarus. <laughs> Dracar, stop! Dang it. Yeah, so... It's uh, oddly fitting that peak Game of Thrones, this climactic episode, is simultaneously nailing it and failing it all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how they do. It's uh, something we've gotten used to, I think. I, uh, you know, in a, in a way that some people were irritated or annoyed with a lot of parts of this episode. Yeah, you know, I had my criticisms as well. But to me, it was just kind of just the the ultimate like the dialed up to eleven version of what they've been doing all along. They rush past a lot of character points. They kind of occasionally fumble character arcs it's going to matter more when it's at the end uh, in these peak moments but they also get a lot right and we're going to you know as we do we're going to cover both sides of that i thought this is more of a filler episode i don't think there's that much to that <laughs> surprise we're even doing a cover to this one well actually we didn't really want to talk about this battle of king's landing i wanted to talk about a far more important battle the Battle of Shroot Farms. Oh. That's uh, in, in, in reference to all your office references last week. I had to wear an office shirt this week. Uh, I hope so. I wasn't limited to just last week for my <laughs> office shirt. <laughs> and you, I see you have a nice uh, Clegane Bowl yeah, shirt yeah. on. Yes. Well, uh, I was so excited when I saw this shirt. Little less excited <laughs> about the reality of it. <laughs> well, well, I got well, this like years ago. Right on, yeah. It's, it was built up for a long time. The, the showrunners themselves said it was one of those things that you know sometimes you don't want to cave to fan expectations, but we wanted it too. <laughs> <laughs> so many are, uh, like I said, most major character deaths. I mean, even if this episode was perfect, which obviously it wasn't, but even if it had been painful to say goodbye to. Seven uh, seven major characters, six of whom, six of those seven since season one. It's, and most of them since episode one. Gregor not is not in episode one, but Sandor is, Jamie is, Cersei is, and uh, obviously um, Varys is. No, Varys isn't in the first episode. I think he's yeah. not until about episode two. But anyway, he's close. And then Kyburn comes along around season three. Uh, They're all season one, if not episode one. Yeah, except, except for Kyburn, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, the, the actor that plays the mountain changes a couple yeah. times. <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> so that's just... He wow. might be the most magical character. <laughs> <laughs> Stabbed right through the eye. Bring it on, Arya. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> you think you can change your face. <laughs> yeah, you could, his face The mountain's been a faceless a man all along. <laughs> Bran is the mountain. Oh, There's my God. So I can't God. believe we never went down this oh path before. <laughs> it's, it's all coming to a head, an ugly head. <laughs> and many are calling some of the treatments of these characters, character assassinations. And whoa, what a fate to have there, to be killed and assassinated. <laughs> Damn, that's rough. <laughs> so that's also a fate for the mountain. He was killed, killed. And assassin. Now his 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 character wasn't assassinated. <laughs> There's not a lot of depth to that character in the first place. Yeah. It's like, oh, they just sure <laughs> the mountain got a raw deal. They ruined that guy. He was not a, a fearsome automaton like he should have been. <laughs> I, I thought he'd be more loyal to his wise old father. That Kyburn. was you know that was the most surprising of all the not that he died. Of course, Kyburn dying yeah. was not surprising, but the fact but it the way was just that like, happened in that moment. Yeah, just yeah. so quickly. It was like, whoa, damn. 
geez, okay. <laughs> but, uh, and it's interesting to consider the idea of, 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 you know, your creation kind of coming back on you like that, you know, play, he was playing with fire, uh, to use the wrong metaphor there. Cause it applies to too many other things. <laughs> well, anyway, let's start speaking of things on fire. The co- complaints and criticism about the writing and characterization, sometimes I think whether it's accurate or not, we can go too far with it even when we're right because we forget about like the cast and crew and how hard they work. And so I want to start off with some positivity on that side and just re- watching the behind the episode and making the game, all that. It's really amazing the game what revealed. they did. I'm sorry? The game revealed. The game revealed, yes. Making the game is something else. I don't know where that came <laughs> from. Anyway, it, it would be a pretty good title for it, but <laughs> but it's wrong. Uh, so they, so speaking, yeah, speaking of people on fire, they had 22 people on fire. And, you know, you have actors saying things like off the scale, really, in every way. And, and behind these, these veterans of set design and production say just like gushing and talking about these things have never done before and probably never will again. Uh, and just cleverness in, in these things. It's there, a lot of ingenuity and creativity that went into this. Like one of the guys apparently came up with this idea to design. They designed the exploding front gates. They built the destruction under it. And then built over that to make it whole. And most of the set design team didn't know that the destroyed part was hiding under it. Mm. So it's really clever. Like you just like it's hard. Like that's really cool. You know, like no, no, no two ways about it. There's no, there's no writing to complain about. <laughs> there's no character assassination when you're just yeah. thinking about the amazingness of this production. And you know they moved it from Dubr- most of King's Landing was filmed throughout the, all the years or all of it really it was filmed in Dubrovnik, and it moved to Belfast for this because well. They can't just blow up Dubrovnik, right? They were <laughs> actually setting things on fire and blowing yeah. things up. And, like, they can't do that in a – they can't just, like, let's – can we borrow this street for two months while and set it on fire? And blow and, it up, yeah. And blow it up and do Borrow. Awesome. We'll give it back. So there was this meme going <laughs> around. the deposit? <laughs> yeah. So there's this meme going around on social media how like, King's Landing looks so different from the outside. I'm like, oh, come on. Give them a break. I mean, really, that's the yeah. kind of production complaints that I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, give them a break. Uh, but there's plenty of other things that we should not give them a break on, so we'll talk about that too. Um, some other quick notes about the production. Uh, there was <laughs> there's a scene where they're just showing all these extras having to do all this work in the heat and everything, and then in between sets, this you know they're very very uh, very British about a lot of this, the way they express it. It's like, do you want an ice lolly? You know, like, no, thanks. And uh, and the, the guy talking about so many people on fire, he's like, twenty two people on fire. It's 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 really quite disconcerting or something like that. Something very what did you say? Quite distressing at quite times. Quite distressing at, time. <laughs> at like, times. It's at like times. people on fire. It's just quite distressing, really. <laughs> so that I highly recommend watching the 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 what's it called again? <laughs> the game revealed. Yes. Yeah, I remember that time at the last second. And then my final note about this <clears throat> is that Amelia really amazing watching Amelia, who's uh, we commented on. You know, you've always thought she was a solid actress. I thought she was okay. That it's gotten a lot better. Really amazing here because that scene where she's looking all around King's Landing right before the bells go off, it's total green screen. She's not there's, looking at anything. There's nothing there. Yeah. There's literally just green screen, and she's on like a the mechanical bolt thing, basically, that serves <laughs> as the dragon, you know. So it's really just no cues, nothing to f- focus on, nothing to work with, just her own her own mind. So that's very impressive. Yeah, of all the complaints, I don't think anyone was like, 
I don't believe Danny's acting. I don't. I, yeah. I, I don't think that. I mean, maybe someone out there. I don't know. But. Some people might. I mean, people were asking. They should have had more. They wanted more of her acting. They yeah. wanted to show more of that uh, to to sell the, the 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 change or whatever. But we'll get into that more in a minute. That's a huge topic. Last thing <clears> I want to throw over to you here is that they they compared some of it to the Dresden firebombing, like the filming and what they were going for. And that's you know. I was thinking about that exact thing. You were okay. that exact thing. I was also. I've already mentioned multiple times how you can compare these dragons to atomic bombs. Mm-hmm. Um. There was even a, a little conversation on Twitter about the idea of um, I, I, I for sure, and I feel like most people, when you watch this, you have these concerns about the innocence and the nature of what happens in war, and on some level, the show and the characters in a show also express that. Tyrion and Varys specifically, it's been a big part here. But in reality, for most of the history of war, that hasn't been much of a concern, at least no, you're right. based on the results that we've seen. Maybe behind the scenes, there are people trying to slow it down. But one reason for that difference in modern times, they didn't have nuclear weapons back then. It was really hard. Even an evil, despotic dictator with a massive army, it was still hard to kill a million people in one day. Yeah. You know, and so <clears throat> if you were to introduce nuclear bombs or dragons to this medieval sort of scenario, you can imagine people might reevaluate the the dangers of war or how we should handle it or who should be in charge and things like that. And yeah. I was specifically thinking about the idea, and you know, it's maybe a little bit controversial. If you dig a little deeper, you might be surprised at some stuff you find. You probably didn't really need to set those bombs off in Japan after World War II. They probably were beaten. Not. We destroyed their supply lines. We destroyed their their navy. Yeah. It was really more this political statement to the Russians. And it's uh, um, and that's a big thing, and that's in play here. And that's exactly. kind of what, yeah. like, Danny's thinking, whether it's flawed or not, is a whole other th- uh, matter. And her state of mind is obviously a big part of it. But she thinks she needs fear. She, <coughs> she is. She thinks she needs to make this statement. Right or wrong, correct or not, that's what's in her in her head, at least. And uh, it does have, like you said, it, there's a massive historical precedent for that type of uh, military thinking. Yeah. yeah. And there were advisors to the president that were trying to tell him, look, we don't need to drop these bombs. There were some advisors saying, yeah, hell, you know, there was warmongers that wanted to do it. And there were other people saying, look, we don't really need to. And how truly informed he was, how much he's responsible, I don't know. But, you know, I don't think he was insane. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Although maybe he was thinking about what he did. Maybe that maybe he wasn't insane, but that was an insane thing to do. Um, Dresden was maybe earlier in the war. It, this would be a complicated historical thing to go over, but I clearly was thinking about it the whole time. I'm yeah. sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure people out there that know more about World War II than me are probably thinking about it also. Well, I, I believe another one that mentioned, was mentioned on Twitter, I think it was by Brendan B. Fish, mentioned the, the May Lai Massacre where American GIs turned on just slaughtered c- civilians. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it just shows there's that concept of, of the bloodlust where it's just a really hard concept to, to understand. It's a very dark thing about humanity, but it's real. Yeah, and I'll I, tell you, when we were watching the episode, I was watching it with Sean, and he's he's muttering to himself, he, I can't believe the soldiers are doing what they're doing, and I'm like, that's what has happened, that has what happened historically, and Sean's like, yeah, he's like, mentions Vietnam right there, and yeah. he's like, trying to come to terms with the fact that you know, we're seeing stark soldiers doing these things and yeah. whatnot. Even in more modern times, in Vietnam, they definitely... Yeah. Well, it wasn't that long. Atrocious yeah. war crimes. Even in the modern times, in the right. 10 years, it hasn't everywhere. been quite as widespread open rape and pillage, but there still have been individual soldiers just murdering prisoners and yeah. raping Stuff women like and that. so on. Yeah, it like, still happens. Yeah. So I guess yeah. I have to accept maybe in this time period when you have like... A culture of Dothraki literally built on war and slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess they're going to do that. And there's all kinds of desire for revenge. And yeah. even the Stark soldiers, it gets, it's, it's another thing that 
maybe I can understand it or see it, but I wish we would get more of it. Like if we had seen Stark soldiers, if there had been captains and sergeants from the Unsullied and from the, the Northern armies that we had had development, we had seen them training, we had seen them advising Grey Worm, we had seen yeah. their, their brothers falling in the field, and now here they are, we maybe would understand this lust for revenge a little bit better yeah. than just, oh, people are evil, like... And it's and it's interesting too because they're putting so much of that emphasis on Danny, where it, which is part of the portrayal that's very flawed here is that all these things are known. It's known that soldiers will pillage and murder and rape. Like the whole this concept has been raised before in Game of Thrones, even, and no one really talked about that when they were talking about you know all things that can go wrong with the city. They were all focused on Daenerys doing this, and not any of the soldiers could be doing this if they're not if they're not careful. What could what ha- could happen could, did happen, and, you know, and they weren't, you know, they weren't, they didn't even bring that up. It just happened. They're like, oh my god, soldiers are going around raping and pillaging, and John shouldn't have been surprised by that. John's naivete is passed over as honor a lot of times, but it's at some points it's like, dude, you know this, you know, and that's a big theme here. Like we're gonna, uh, that's something that portrayal I think is is an issue. Uh, that I've you know I've talked to some people about and have learned more about it and have gotten some some good perspective on it, but we'll get into that in more detail in a bit. A couple quick announcements, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll break into this uh, process with an, with a fun segue that I've come up with here. So I want to remind everybody that our our Patreon is rolling along nicely. We we we've gotten a great response this uh, this season. We really appreciate that. I know you have a lot of choices out there. And limited time to go through so many different Game of Thrones reviews. So we appreciate that you're sticking with us after all this. And after the season's over, we're going to keep it going, of course. We will have a few, we'll have some wrap up stuff. We'll have some show to book topics, some things that, because we learned so much about the end game here. You know, Shay and I are preparing this Azor Ahai, many faced Azor Ahai topic. And we've got other things too kicking around that are going to be really interesting. And uh, there's just, because these episodes are so long, we're, trying to cover so much and some things are getting lost in the shuffle. So it's definitely going to be some thinking back over some topics that need more depth and are going to be a lot of fun to deal with. And then of course, you know, in the future we'll have the prequel shows and more fire and blood to talk about. And, you know, it just goes to show that even when we don't love the episode, even when there's a lot to criticize, it gives us so much to talk about, even when, you know, like this episode could be horrible, you know, really horrible. Well, you could think it was really horrible. And this Dresden firebombing stuff is a really relevant topic that you just talked about. You know, we don't need to rehash it, but it's just a good example of, you know, it leads us to interesting topics, even if the original topic isn't the best. But like I said, too, there's so much to like, even amongst the things that we can criticize here. There's a new feature on YouTube here that we learned about literally five minutes before we went live today called Super Stickers. It, it's it's sort of uh, related to Super Chat, I guess. It seems like it's sort of the kind of functionality you get on Twitch, that YouTube is sort of uh, getting into that market a bit. So I don't know what to tell you all about it. You can play with it and, and tell us what you think yeah, if I you feel want like to. Our viewers will probably be more likely to want to use a super chat to actually communicate a message. I agree. To, I agree with you. You know, sometimes people don't put any message. So maybe now you want to put a little cute sticker. I yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, as we learn more about that, we'll let y'all know. Uh, it may not even be something worth using, but <laughs> you know, it's worth checking out because maybe it is and uh, we'll give it a shot. So uh, let's get right to it. Those are the only announcements I had. Um, except, oh, except to mention that as far as Patreon goes, don't forget that we are raising the, uh, the level for getting the bonus episodes. 
The bonus episodes will be $5 per month minimum, but if you sign up before the end of the season, you get grandfathered in at the, well, at any lower price, as far down as $1 a month. So get in now before it goes up. So let's talk about analysis versus anger. I think uh, that's something I brought up at the beginning, but I want to get more deep into it now. And I want to use myself as an example of the two of us. I'm a lot more likely to get heated. Uh, I don't believe in astrology, but I it doesn't help disprove astrology when I match my personality matches exactly what astrology says I'm supposed to be <laughs> like thoughtful, whatever you know. I think a lot, but I also get heated, and which is because I'm on the cusp of of the Sagittarius, which is I'm like right right at the beginning of the Sagittarius. That's what they say. Earlier, you're supposed to be more fiery. So, heh, well, I do identify with that. Um, I thought you were going to see you get really angry at astrology. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm uh, you know the Sagittarius is is an archer is a centaur archer, and you know. That's why I always keep That's the camera. You're... Yeah, you don't know what's <laughs> actually going on down here. Um, so if we get 10,000 viewers, we'll let you see Zeus's legs. <laughs> oh, soon after, I'll legs. go to jail. We've seen your legs many a time. <laughs> Those are my fake legs. <laughs> Those are my faux legs. Your fegs. My fegs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, using, so using myself as an example, I know that, you know, I have an, a fairly analytical mind, but I'm not, I, I'm, I've ceased to be nearly as analytical when I'm angry. Those things don't mix very well. And not that anger is, is, is a bad thing. It can be bad. It can drive you to make mistakes, can, but it's real and it's something we all have to deal with and it's helpful to deal with it helpfully you know what i mean or healthfully healthfully <laughs> healthy to deal with it helpfully i don't know anyway i think you get the gist of that the point is when we react to these episodes it can be difficult to you know we miss nuance sometimes if we're just fuming at some of the things that we really don't like I mean, there's nothing wrong with fuming i don't i'm not saying don't fume but the problem but we can also be honest with ourselves about what that does to our ability to analyze which is it's not good it doesn't help and you can still be analytical when angry it's not like a, you're it's not black and white and you can be you know it goes both ways so i have a couple comments yeah. like one of my thoughts is that almost every bit of information i take in i have like an initial reaction yeah right but then i almost immediately like well like look at another side of it and and so even as you say like you know getting angry doesn't help like well sometimes it does and like I, as a default i want to agree with you but yeah none of these things are absolutes right that's, that's always a caveat like, you're right. um the it, when you're angry it's, it's not binary okay it's not like you're either angry or analytical yeah you can be both and one might get in the way of the other or preclude the other and uh, take over the other. I'm not quite sure I want to say that, but um, <laughs> but you you shouldn't ignore emotions. You know, you can go through all this analytical process. You can like someone in like a bad relationship, Jamie, or, or you know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, maybe yeah. people out there. You can write this. You go through all these reasons. They did this. They did that. It cost this much. I lost this thing. I had to give up. Blah blah. But in the end, I still love them. You know, analytics can't just stop emotions, and emotions are are there for a reason. They're meaningful, and sometimes should or could dictate our actions as much as analysis um yeah so I, I think it's good to be able to separate them and consider both sides and sometimes they can cloud each other but um you know as i was watching for example in this episode i was like oh, that is what i, was I getting felt at. emotions yeah. you know and I, I i didn't quite feel anger but i definitely felt emotions but those motions like spun me into analysis i just started thinking about well, what does this mean 
How is this slice of people going to think about it? How should I feel about this? How do I count for the emotions I'm having? It's, it's, you know? it, it does make your head spin. And I think a lot of people, a lot of different people we talked to said, and, and this isn't just for this episode, but maybe more, maybe more often in this episode, but for a lot of episodes, people wake up feeling differently about the episode than they did when they saw it. And uh, yeah. just taking a night to sleep on it makes a big difference. Yeah, I think I, I definitely have gotten that as well. And that's true for me, but honestly, I made my peace with a lot of the changes that they've made, you know, four or five years ago or whatever it would have been, season four or so. And the things that I'm unhappy with now are the ramifications of the changes that they've made and the the, the ripple effects. So, like, I can't I don't I can't find myself getting worked up about it because I, I just had to, you know, accept it a long time ago. Yeah. And so like but still in this episode, I would I, I find myself getting a little stressed at the idea of like all the distress that people in the fandom will feel like Sean yeah. was talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel that emotionally. But myself personally, I, I've kind of disconnected from that. Okay. Thank, thankfully, because it was yeah. I was really upset. You got people will remember who listened to our show back in season four and five when like first with Dorn stuff happened and the Crasters keep mutiny and then they cut out you know young Griff and then they you know cut Stoneheart just and all sort of stuff, at, yeah. cut out Stoneheart and like just tons of things were happening episode after episode and then Jamie and Cersei. There's just a million things in those seasons that I, I had to step back. Yeah. I'll say in that time period, having not read the books, a lot of those didn't bother me. I don't know who's Stoneheart or yeah. There was Griff, no expectation <clears throat> for you to. to however, miss out on. however, I was still very frustrated with the whole Dorne sequence and the sand. Yeah. Even without book expectations, like what is happening? This stuff doesn't make sense. Where are they going with this? And and at that time, it was like one out of eight storylines were baffling and frustrating me. But I was so overall accepting it. Yeah, I felt like season six was similar with Arya's holster. I'm like, what's this? It's now frustrating me. But overall, it's still good. I feel like the 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 percentage of things that are like frustrating me and baffling is growing. But I still overall like it, appreciate it. I'm invested. I care about what happens. Um, even if it like the scales tip and more than a half the things went well, the scales tip in the t- last <laughs> half of the last season, like I'm still going to finish this out. There's still so much of it that I am invested in and care about. And I, um, want to appreciate the effort that's gone into it. And a lot of it too. I'm like I said, almost every thought I have, I try to see another way to come at it. Yeah. And that can change your perspective when you sometimes walk down that trail and find yourself in a new place. Um, And and I'll say that's, that's uh, why I wanted to bring this up in the first place, because this really applies to Danny's state of mind. We're all like her, it's the, her anger version. I didn't, I I thought it was useful for us to talk about this with ourselves, but as a lead into the relevance of this episode, because Danny's, situation is very much analysis versus anger and she's forced into a spot that's that nobody could appreciate it's it's unrealistic to ever be in the spot she was in for 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 like anyone living real people even her analysis when she's attempting to be analytical is it's clouded it's right very cloudy. like even right even if she's attempting to stay calm and and think logically about how things are going which we could tell she must have done some amount she's like yeah. no it was john and it wasn't like she was mistaken though no, she knew what he meant <laughs> she knew yes, she he, knew what he meant <laughs> uh, and uh but also she's not eating she's not sleeping yes, uh, so her analysis might go things, off the rails yeah. and to me yeah. like i really get that i mean i don't i don't get so mad that i would kill a bunch of people but I really do appreciate being hangry. That is a thing for me. I get hangry. And if Danny hasn't been eating or hasn't been, and hasn't been sleeping, plus all that other stuff, like that's not a small extra factor. That's pretty significant, especially after flying around all that battle and everything. And, you know, with the stress of 
having all those scorpion bolts shot at you and all this other stuff and just get letting her anger out. It's just so much that we can't comprehend. Now that doesn't mean it was, now that doesn't mean it was the moment was well set up. That's the thing we really want to get into. So let's take a, a few set of questions and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work our way into that. Uh, can, can I give one thought by the way? Sure. Um, I was sort of, there's problems with this analogy, but it was just a thought that I had. That's something I was kind of wondering about. Of course, I always have like a swirl of thoughts, but like I'm way less in solely now than I was before. Before, not only yeah. I had not read the books, but I wasn't on Twitter or I hadn't gone to cons. I was very removed, you know. Yeah. But now I've read at least some of the books and I do keep up with what's happening on Twitter. I've gone to cons. I kind of have more of a pulse of the community, you yeah, know, my definitely. fingers on a pulse of what's happening. And so um, for better or worse, uh, maybe my analysis is better. Maybe it's not quite as unsullied, but um a thought that I had is going back to that time period when maybe everyone was a little more in Sully. There weren't as many people on Twitter eight yeah, years ago. That's true. Right? Uh, way less people had, were involved in a community. It's the cons zones didn't exist at that time, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> I wonder how things would have been on Twitter or if I were more connected when Ned got his chop, head chopped off. <laughs> or yeah, when Caitlin cut that Walter girl's hardly neck. Hardly a community then. Yeah. Um, uh, that Frey girl's, Walter Frey's wife. It's like, those yeah. are moments when I was like, whoa, I couldn't hardly believe it. I was so disappointed that, uh, you know, I was so shocked that Ned Diner, so disappointed that, that Caitlin would kill that girl. But step back and I think about it. like, well, Joffrey is a wild card. It started off and Ned chopping someone said, a little finger said don't trust him. I, can, I guess they built up to that, you know. Yeah. And so... I can imagine there would have been this backlash or frustration or, or divisiveness in the, in the community around these events that might have played out on Twitter that I just didn't see or maybe just didn't happen because the community didn't exist like that. Yeah. So now we're seeing it again now. Now, the difference is what if instead of Ned getting his head chopped off, Ned just started chopping everyone else's heads off? You know, they were like, <laughs> instead of killing our hero, ruining our hero, yeah. it, it's a different. But my point is still that, like, I, I, I thought a lot about the, the the shock or whether or not it's built up or whether or not it's properly built up. Just other moments in the past that might have been emotional or surprising or divisive. Strong parallels to that. And I haven't fully fleshed that thought out. I think I've told you this might be the least fully fleshed out my thoughts are going into one of our coverage episodes. <laughs> yeah. So much happened here. So much to process. It's toward the end. It's... Uh, all right, let's get, difficult moving. Let's, let's, let's get yeah. <laughs> moving here. We got a lot to cover. First set of questions, Matthew Underwood, just a super chat. Thank you for that. No question. Walker Schwartz, you are all the best. No question. Thank you. Well, thank you, Walker. From Chris Trombley, just showing some love. Can't watch you live. See you Wednesday. All right, we'll talk to you then. Yeah, we have a lot of book to show thoughts on this one, of course. Michael Pearson, I usually listen to the podcast, but today I was finally able to make a, able to make a live stream and signed up to support you on Patreon. Thanks for all the hard work that goes into these great analysis discussions. Click the like. Thank you very much, Michael. Yes, please click the like button. You'd be surprised how much that helps us spread the word. It means a lot in terms of the YouTube algorithm and all that, so it does matter. From Scott Wartman, a.k.a. Bloody Ben Blackwood. More like the Molten Company, am I right? <laughs> yes. More, that is better than my joke. I had a joke written down that I'm now not going to make because this one's better. So, yeah, good job. Molten. Yeah, that's like... Exactly what happened to Viserys, too. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Good one, Scott. <laughs> From Spank My Tater. Nice name there. It wasn't the Valonqar, but King's Landing collapsing in on top of Cersei was poetic, in my opinion. Seen a lot of hate on it. Yeah, I thought so, too. I even said that would be poetic before when we were, when we were talking about Cersei death scenarios. I was talking about falling or being crushed under the rubble. You know, and that's, a, and by the way, that's a, I don't like to, we don't like to just hang our hats on single predictions unless there's just, unless that's just where the evidence leads. 
usually it's better to present a range of possibilities. You're trying to make predictions. That's how I like to do it. And I think that you're the same way. We like, okay, maybe this is a 15% chance. This is a 20% chance. And even if the percentages are way off, that's whatever. It, the it, idea, we're clarifying that this is not 90% likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just trying to get a, like when we, we talked about a bunch of different possibilities for how season the season would play out. And yeah. we did get it right, but we also made several suggestions that weren't right. You know, so, but but that's that's the the way it goes when you present a range of options rather than trying to just, oh, it's going to be this one thing. You know, I don't like making predictions that way. So uh, from Centipede, did you know Virus was the most badass guy in the whole show? Burns to death without so much as a whimper. Mm-hmm. Actually, that is a kind of a segue to another uh, observation, which is that it seems that the dragon flame is getting hotter. And which it's supposed to. Dragons are supposed to get hotter as they get older. Yeah. yeah. And there's a shot that Ashea could pull up now. I wasn't sure when I was going to use it, but it's a shot of Arya emerging and seeing the uh, this little girl burn to a crisp like Pompeii. It's like the the survivor, like the the dead people at Pompeii, the volcano that erupted in Rome so long ago. And it's like a perfectly formed piece of ash where you can see the girl's little toy horse and her hand, and it's really pretty horrible. Which might have been a little called a Shireen, by the way. Hey, you know, you're right. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. But a little horsey, burned girl, yeah. How can you not, you know, how could I not think of Shireen? Well, I think it was I a did, stag I that didn't. she had, but it's still a basic form. Yeah, and... you're right. That's a good call for sure. Um, but that's just really like, wow. Uh, it just shows the destruction and, and how hot the dragon fire is. Like, that, that person... Is dead and that's horrible, but they doesn't that you probably don't suffer when the heat is that intense. That's kind of where I'm at with Varus, that the heat was so intense that he hardly even felt it. But that doesn't make it less horrible. But well, it does make it a little less horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't suffer, that's that's not nothing. That's it's if, if people don't suffer, that's that's something. Uh, okay. Uh, next question is from Herringage. Thanks for everything you guys. Thanks for everything, guys. Have to listen after the fact, but super excited to hear what you have to say. Cheers. Well, we will hope not to disappoint. From Zombie Jesus. At first, I thought Tyrion was trying to trick Danny when he said, if you hear bells, that means the city has surrendered. In the Battle of the Blackwater, Davos and Mathos have an exchange regarding the bells. Don't mean surrender, but war. The bells are a warning. Did we did we diverge from previously established bell-ringing rules? Or am I missing something? No, I don't think we diverge from it. The bells are normally rung for that sort of situation. But this city was already on high alert. So the bells don't have to mean the same thing every time. It's not like in the middle of a war the bells are going to ring, or in the middle of a battle, the bells are going to ring, people are going to be like, oh, a battle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they already know it's a battle. So it's fair to have the bells mean something else in a very different context. They also at least tried to give us a line of dialogue. It might not at all perfectly line up plot-wise, but Tyrion said, Tyrion told Jamie, hey, ordered the bells to be wrong. Yeah. Um, there could be protocols that we don't know that Tyrion would know. and That's true. From Jojo Dixon, related question. Did Tyrion's convo with Jamie and him being freed get tipped off to Danny, thereby causing her to believe that when the bells rang, she had been betrayed by everyone? I thought the same thing too, but it doesn't seem that's the case. Behind the episode didn't mention anything like that at all. Although I do think there'll be a reckoning. Uh, Jamie said to Tyrion, your queen's going to execute you for this. And he says, well, hopefully I can talk her out of it if, if I can prevent all this death. Well, he wasn't able to prevent all the death because she just went ahead and did that anyway. And she's probably going to find out that he let her let Jamie go because she's going to be like, why don't we have Jamie in captivity anymore? And those unsullied will say, well, Tyrion came to him. And then next thing we know, he's gone. So it's they might hand wave that. But I think that Tyrion should be called to account for that. And that might be ugly Uh, from Ahmed Abdi. 
Do you think the show could have done with more episodes? I feel like the show pacing is a real problem this season. And from Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper, I was going to ask if you thought that last night's episode should be called Book Reader's Bane. But my wife hasn't read the books, and she was annoyed too, so maybe Baffling Battle? (laughs) Definitely felt to me like this episode most exemplified the extent to which they are rushing through the end of this. Yeah, no, I don't think there's a single person that should argue against it being rushed. I mean, you don't have to feel it's rushed personally, but you sh- I don't think you should argue with someone who said, who does feel that way. I feel that way. You seem to feel that way. Shea feels that way. I'll say in season four, which might be my favorite season, I, back then I thought there should be more episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. Or at so, least they could add like a few more minutes to each episode. I, the whole way I've always thought they could, should have more material. Definitely feel even more so now. Yeah. I do try to be understanding. In my mind, they easily could have, should have had three more seasons, you know? Yeah. But also, I realize it, it's hard to keep this. Filmmaking is a conglomerate effort, and there are a lot of people involved in a lot of areas. Not, not just yeah. the cast, which are also, like, growing and have other film deals. Some of them have families and kids. But also, all the crew, everyone making the costumes, the editors, everyone involved in this has been doing it for 10 years. It's it's hard to keep this together. It's yeah. understandable to me that they do need to wrap it up. They yeah. can't, they don't just have infinite resources and 100% life loyalty of everyone to make this be perfect. So. A good example of that is that the mountain for his scenes, Half Thor, Julius uh, Bjornsson, uh, I probably didn't quite say that right, but you know who I'm talking about. He had to wake up at midnight to be in makeup for seven hours to shoot for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Those, that was his days. I mean, and there's all, it's really funny because there's all this, like he's talking about the behind the scenes of, of him. They're just like a day of throwing uh, Rory McCann into walls. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point Rory stands up and he's like, for a big man, you're very gentle. Thank you. <laughs> it's like so jarring to see these two guys who are like bitterly hating each other forever. And just it would like, be much more distressing so if we were set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, gold chap. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's it reminds us you're right. It's it's good to remind ourselves that how much hard, incredibly hard work goes on behind the scenes. And so when Dave and Dan, even you know, I love we 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 talk about the fact that they've rushed this ending and they, they do seem tired of it in some ways. And I, the fact that they could have maybe offered have. it to a couple new showrunners yes. who've already been working on the show. I agree. Yeah. But you do make a good point. There might be a, a lot of people who would want to move on. But think about how many people would love, love, love to work on Game of you Thrones. You know, HBO wanted it to go longer. Yeah, HBO's <laughs> no, willing to sure. funnel all the money into it. And yeah. yeah. So, you know, it just just a reminder that not, not just, it, it's a... It's that we can't be certain. Not that we know for sure it should have, it could have been longer or that they could have easily done more, but it probably could have, you know, and, but, but at the same time, we don't have a lot of certainty with some of these behind the scenes things. You know, another thought, like a general thought that I have for better or worse is that a lot of this episode or a lot of portions of the show in general might be frustrating or confusing or, you know, you might not like it, you might not want it, but. It happened. That's it. It's there. So yeah. we got to deal with it now. You yeah, know? that's right. That's what the show we have is like what Ashea said. Like you, you know, she put that to bed. You know, she accepted that at season four slash season five, this is how this is the new, the new material. Now this is what they're doing. They move past the books, and this is what we're going to get. Um, yeah, it helps to it helps with your expectations to have accepted that. <laughs> and I still get great you know value out of it, seeing things visually. Like when I read the Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring, and there is you know. 
chapters covering destruction via dragons and stuff like that, it will be so visceral and so real in my mind when I'm reading it, whereas it wouldn't have been before. That's so point. I'm quite grateful still for uh, the visual elements of it. Yeah. And there's other things, acting and, you know, whatever. There's a lot of things that I still get out of it. And probably plot lines, realistically, when I read the books, I'm guaranteed there will be something somewhere where I'm like, I actually liked how they did that in the show a little bit better. Yeah, I, I, right I think there will be. Cool. From Bill Nitz, thanks for the great content. What's your thoughts on the lack of physical appearance and mannerism changes in Danny from season six onward? If they were going this direction as of season six, it could have been subtle. Yeah, I wonder about that because we talked about, I've talked about maybe changes in her acting that I haven't really honed in on, just feel like she's stronger in some ways, but I don't, I didn't get at which things and I ha- I don't know what I would say to that. But um yeah, it's certainly certain things declining for her, things not going well. It makes sense, and they've they've definitely people who have paid more attention to her outfits and and uh, a lot of these details. It really says a lot about that because they put so much detail into those things. Um, there's a lot to be gleaned from that, but this might be a big question that will get answered better as we talk more about Danny in general. True, and the presentation of her and everything. So, from Sinfire, Quaith mentioned a pale mare. Is that Arya's white horse? I don't think so, but it certainly made a lot of us think of it. The quote is, soon comes the pale mare, and after her the others, Kraken and Dark Flame, Lion and Griffin, and Sun Sun and the Mummer's Dragon. Trust none of them. Remember the Undying. Beware the perfumed Seneschal. Well, yeah, I think this this might be more of the like classic white horse thing, where it's the, you know, the pale horse is death. But it might even be a uh an inversion of that, because it's it's this is just you know, she spends the entire episode focused on revenge and then Sandor talks her out of it and then she's trying to escape and then she's trying to help people. And it's an interesting, subtle change that she goes from that and then she has this horse moment and that's the end of the episode. So I wonder, it might, it might be symbolic of a change for her uh, as well as, um, you know, an attitude shift in other ways. We'll have to wait and see. It's hard to say at this point. We'll definitely have more thoughts on that on Saturday in our predictions episode. Well, we need more time to think about that for one Yeah, minute. Yeah, I was going to say I was stirred by that moment. It, it, I feel it was maybe a little out of place, but I still appreciate they, that they did it. Uh, something I've pointed out many times is a uh, many styles and techniques to filmmaking. And, and a lot of filmmaking, especially modern filmmaking, is kind of like nonstop in your face. Mm. Um but a lot of more, we'll say, artsy filmmaking, you know, things that aren't like $100 million blockbuster summer hits or whatever, a lot of times I have a lot of still moments and silent moments, the camera just sitting on a character or on an image. And that's kind of what this was, especially in context of the rest of this episode. And those moments, one thing they do is they cause uh, uh, an audience to turn inward. Instead of like being overwhelmed what's happening or thinking about what's about to happen next, you start to think of about your own thoughts. Mm, you start yes. to turn to, how do I feel about this? What would I do in a situation? What does this represent? Things like that. Yeah. And, and that's what, for me, was happening with this moment. This horse showed up. It was a slice of me. was like, this is kind of odd. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, lucky horse. Odd, yeah. Conveniently right there for Arya. Those I thoughts all went through my mind. But yeah, yeah. You know, I was definitely like, this is very strange yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And I can't take this very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but But like, being so strange forced me to think about it harder like okay they did this for a reason this isn't random you know so what is the meaning here does the horse symbolize something i started to wonder if maybe she's dead and this is some sort of like vision as she bleeds out you know um 
I really liked, uh, I mean, I was just kind of baffled by it at first, other than the symbolism, which I get, but was just kind of cheesy or contrived or whatever to me originally. And then Aziz brought up the idea that maybe a brand was controlling the horse and whether that's the case or not. I, I, a white horse covered in blood. It was red and white. So that's what made me think of it. And wear a wig. Yeah, yeah, I generally want brand to do something and all that. I don't think. After more thought, I don't think Brian was in the horse, but I want it to be the case, and we'll find out. Yeah. I, maybe he would have been aware of this scenario. It might be we it's never a theory know. that fits that we have no proof, yeah. real, and we yeah. might never know for sure. Not yeah. like Brian will tell yeah. someone or anything <clears throat> like that. I will say, after, I, I I am unsure, and we'll probably have deeper thoughts and discuss it more in a predictions episode. But I can't decide in the end there if she's decided just to get out of here and forget about revenge or like no way to have to do something about Danny. I'm not mm. where, sure where yeah. she is. You know, you're right. We'll talk about that more on Saturday. Uh, and to, just as a wrap up here, the pale mare refers to disease in the uh, in the books. So that's another thing that's you know they could be borrowing that term, but obviously it's not going to be. I don't think they don't have time for some disease plot to play in an episode. Johnny Cash song doesn't he have yeah. a song or maybe mm-hmm. quote the a line horse, from the Bible yeah. or something? That's yeah, right. I think we stuff. even have that quote later in our document here. I think I'll find it later. Another question from Centipede. Do you think Bran was controlling the horse that saved Arya? Well, uh, maybe. Yes. <laughs> that question's right on point. Yeah. I think there's a good chance. We'll see. Um, but nothing to actually prove it at this point. Mr. Mitchell 954. More episodes slash seasons would have equaled more open-ended storylines. They wouldn't have known how to wrap up, even with different showrunners. I'm not sure that's true. They could, if, With better planning, they might have planned the beginning and end of some of these things. Like like they did with these sets. They they were describing how they were building them. They were designing them to be built, but also as they were designing them, they were building them to be destroyed. They are building the destruction as they were building the, the, the thing. So that's just, I think part of that is not enough unity in the writer's room, too many different writers and not, uh, you know, filling things out, seeing things through all the way until they're done. I I don't think that, like, I see your point. It could go that way. If they're not careful, it could spiral out of control. But with more control in the process, it wouldn't. So, I don't know. I I could see it going both ways. From Will Moss, a.k.a. the night of the mid-afternoon, probably about 3.30, that is his actual patron name, which made us all laugh out loud. Uh, given the anger that has been building in the fandom, if people saw the Red Wedding in this mood, would they get mad, say, ruining development, etc.? That's what Sean was getting into earlier. It's, it's you know, if, if so many of us had been in the fandom at that point, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. That was the first episode we did a TV, we did a TV show episode for. Uh, before that, we had done book stuff only for the most part. Here's another thought. And I know this is hard to imagine there's problems with this, but just for a moment, imagine that the show had been made after the first book. And mm. then they got to the second, third season before Martin had got there and did the Red Wedding. With people like, what? I can't believe this. Martin never would have thought of, you know. It's <laughs> possible. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, some of this, the, the showrunners or certain fans or slices of fans might 10 years from now feel vindicated. You're you know? slicing up fans? <laughs> Jeez, that's <Yeah>. harsh. <laughs> uh, from Philip Wolf. I've always hated the bells. They ring for horror. A dead king, a city under siege, Varus. A wedding? Tyrion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is season two, episode nine, uh, apparently. And then we also have uh, Night King episode three, Siege episode five, A Wedding episode six. So yeah, maybe, um, well, he's saying that since we've had Night King episode three and A Siege episode five, maybe we will have an ep- a wedding in the, in the, in the final episode. Uh, it's possible. There's a lot of ways it could go. We'll, ha- we'll save our thoughts for pre- prediction thoughts for Saturday, as we always do. Um, but 
thanks for that quote. That's really good. It's, it adds more context to this mm-hmm. whole thing. Can you imagine? You know how you imagine the moments when Tywin just kind of like lays down a law, tells Cersei, you will marry mm-hmm. Loras. What yeah. if Cersei tells Sansa, you will marry Tyrion? You mean Danny? Or Danny. Yeah. Danny tells Sansa, Ooh. you will marry Danny. Rough. Yeah, something like that. That would be. That would be and the dragon <laughs> rumbling right next to her. And I'm like, okay, I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh, do you think the from JC? Do you think the common folks' treatment of Missandei contributed to Danny's willingness to burn them? Yeah, a little bit. And I think that Danny made uh, during her build up to that moment, she referred to how the 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 people of Marine and Astapor they kind of just rose for her, and but these Westerosi don't love her, and and they don't trust her, and she doesn't trust them as much either. I think that's a big part of it. They don't love and trust her or her people that she has, Missande and Grey Worm. The people yeah, she's yeah. This, with. this brings up a it's couple a things, yeah. a couple points I want to make here. And uh, kind of on both sides uh, <laughs> of an argument. <clears throat> One is it. I wish we'd freaking seen scenes with Danny confiding in Missande. I yeah. wish we had seen Missande go to Danny. Are you all right, my grace? And like, Call me Danny. You're like, are you okay, Danny? You know, your your children have died and you're in this unusual circumstance, da da da. And she confides and they bond. And then we cut back to the, to them having another moment of bonding where Danny's like, John's not talking to me. And my Sunday's like, I feel like an outsider here. Like the people look at me weird. Really? Yeah. You don't know what it's like because your skin's not brown, but I'm telling you. I wish we could have seen these moments and it might be more understanding for Danny to want more general revenge from a Sunday, you know? Mm, so that makes sense. And, and you know, th- so many times, so many ways, extending the three minutes, but they're already an hour and 23 minutes, make an hour and 26 would have been the end of the world to give one three minute conversation between Danny and a Sunday. They don't have to like retroactively change anything. They don't need a new CGI age. They yeah. need I to have, have to characters say, that are already there, have good conversations. We've so. got like a three minute scene of Jamie and Euron fighting in this episode. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel like they had the time. Yeah. We got like nine minutes of them burning the dead and John giving a speech and, and you know, last week. Yeah. They took time a couple seasons ago to have Tyrion, you know, s- you know, small talk on the Sunday and, and Greyjoy, like try to try to tell a joke, try to get them to tell a joke. And, yeah. and I love some people didn't, but I love that moment. That, that's telling me that's the kind of moment I want. And that one was maybe a little bit of comic relief, a little awkward because of the nature of these characters. But it's the same type of moment that I want from Danny and Missunday. You know? Yeah. Now, flip side, okay, is I feel like even if there's some amount of uh, blame you can put on the people of King's Landing, right? Yeah, especially because we've seen the people of King's Landing be shitty in the past, like towards Cersei, or they cheer Ned Stark's death, or all these other moments where maybe you could, like, one, it's not fair because every single person in King's Landing wasn't doing that. But let's say they were. Let's say every seven-year-old child was evil and wanted Ned to die. All of them mm-hmm. weren't subject to propaganda. And were, let's say they all were. At this moment, there's who knows how many scores of thousands of people in King's Landing that weren't there, weren't part of any of that. The right people were like heading there for protection from winter. And they all got burned too. You know, so mm-hmm. it's it makes it extra frustrating how unjust what Danny did is. Yeah. You know? Okay, uh, next question from Sir Hype the Dank. I thought about Danny's early years with the horse. When I saw saw the horse, I thought about the horse she got from Drogo, and more specifically the scene where she ate the horse heart and first won the love of the people. See, that's really good. Those are both really good takes. Danny's early horse, uh, early horse, early years with her horse. That was a silver horse, not a pale mare, but you know, it, it's reminiscent of her horse, uh, all the same. And the horse heart thing—that's a really good take. Um, I like that. That's a good thought. 
from Nathan Haland. Is Bronze role significant since we didn't see him in episode five? Kill Tyrion now? No, I think even less likely that he's going to kill Tyrion now because he no longer can collect a reward for Cersei from doing it. So that's the last thing he wants to do is kill Tyrion. However, I... Also, he might not be able to if Danny does it first. That's yeah, a real possibility. I don't know that Tyrion's going to be able to come through and give Bronn what he asked for because Danny, I don't think Danny's going to have that. But we'll see. Uh, maybe have some more thoughts on that after. From Slugmind, uh, who did a, th- uh, did a thank you super sticker. So I guess that's the first person to use the super sticker uh, format thing there. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. was it, quite cute. It was a little animated sticker. <laughs> thank you. So now we know. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> the episode begins with Varus' plotting. And it's actually a little, there's actually, a, this is pretty subtle. He's trying to poison her. Yeah, and I didn't realize it at first. Yeah. He's trying to poison her. I said it out loud. I was like, he's trying to poison her? And yes, it's almost 100% true, almost definite. He says that uh, to the little girl says, you know, I think they're watching me. And he's talking about the kitchens and how she won't eat and how he says the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Yeah, at first you think the not eat is like, oh, she's not in good yes. shape. And I even for a moment thought, oh, Vars is actually worried about her. Like, yep. oh, no, he's trying to get her to eat poisonous food. Yep, yeah. Yep. So it's like, wow. So that escalated quickly. And it's interesting, too, because Varus sort of saved her from poisoning with, <laughs> with that letter to Jorah. <laughs> <laughs> and when she almost That's drank the wine fitting. from the he, wine he, cellar. He almost, yeah. But, huh. Wait, I'm missing. And, and, and remember when Jorah saved her from drinking the wine, the poisoned wine. Oh, that's right. The letter that's, was from Varys. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did not piece that together either. That's good. Man. And it goes back to the small council where they were all arguing, don't know, where, where Robert wanted to kill Danny. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what are we worried about this little girl? <laughs> she's going to kill million. You know, leave her alive. She's going to kill millions. Yeah. Ned yeah. was wrong. <laughs> Hashtag Ned was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Robert was right all along. <laughs> Just kidding. But so that is really interesting, though. So she ceases eating, which accidentally saves her life. And then uh, it doesn't seem like she's been sleeping either. She looks really bedraggled to have that scene with Tyrion where she's really looking haggard. But despite that, she feels betrayed by Jon and Tyrion because Tyrion did not bring this information to her and told Varys without her permission. That's bad. Yet she forgives him. And and she's forgiven him many times. Yeah, yeah. And she forgives John, even though and and he has, hasn't even given her the final ditching yet, uh, yeah, as far she as the might relationship. Have, might have forgiven, but she hasn't forgotten. Definitely. But Varus has clearly gone too far, and she doesn't even know. And they don't even know about the poisoning. I don't even think they yeah. realize that. This yeah. is just the him sending letters. So that's an open question for us to talk about in the predictions episode. We're not going to talk about it now, but yeah. the open question is... How many is, letters did he get off? How many letters did he get off? And to who? Yeah, I thought... I think it's possible... We shouldn't get too much in this, but I think it's possible that he didn't get any off. I was just thinking about the idea of, is he going to, like, write one letter, then go to the Ravens and send it off, and come back and write one letter and go to... Like, even if that's so inefficient and it's more like to draw attention. It makes more sense to write ten letters than to go send ten all at once, and if he's on letter number eight and Grey Worm walks in... I think it's at least possible he didn't get any mm. off. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he spread spread it around, but you're yeah. right. It's possible. Uh, so, you know, this is something that would have been nice to play out longer. It, this whole virus betrayal and 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 being a cut down or burned to death is – it all happened so quickly. Yes. Uh, it would have been nice to have that play out. It would have been spread out yeah. over at least three episodes in the past yeah. or if we had three episodes Considering to do it. Considering it was rushed, it was okay. Yeah. You know, like if some of the yeah. things lose a lot by being rushed, this one was okay for being rushed. You know, I don't I, – I, it bothered me less that it was rushed, but it, it did bother me. But, you know, we have to get used to that. And but there's some serious pathos here too because Tyrion Tyrion's arc here is really sad. It's lost in the shuffle a bit. Is that he tries so many things and they just don't work. And at this point, Varus is basically his best friend. 
And he just had to choose between his queen and his best friend. And he chose his queen, uh, and, he, and Varus was probably right. And he's gonna now he's got to deal with the fact that he's like, oh man, Varus was right. Poor Damn Tyrion it. lost his best friend. Yeah, Danny lost her best friend. Danny lost a lot more than that. Yeah. But I mean, but if we're you know individual perspectives, and then he, and then he sets Jamie for he's got to face that too, and that didn't work either. <laughs> you know, so it's like, whoa, so much just not working, and and he's got to feel like he's betrayed his friend, and he didn't. He didn't do his job that he wanted to do, which was save the people of King's Landing. Not that he really, I don't know what he could have done besides letting Varus kill Danny, maybe, yeah. but that wouldn't have been a very satisfying way for the show to go either. <laughs> Just, oh, they succeeded in poisoning poison her. Like, uh, we would, I think, I'm trying, let me think a second. What would have been more frustrating if Tyrion joined with Varus and successfully poisoned Danny? Versus or, or this. this, like I think, I think what I think that would have been more. I think this is less frustrating because at least this, there's a like they can explain it. If Var- Danny hasn't actually committed atrocities yet, that's like come on, like because yeah. there's people who weren't who were even up till the last minute weren't sure she was going to do it, and even though we all saw it coming, it was still jarring when it happened. Yeah. It was like. I mean, because it was more jarring than we thought it would be. We didn't think it would be quite so targeted. You know, it didn't, she was aiming for civilians. We thought it would be more collateral. Yeah. I feel like they specifically made a point of removing any ability to defend her. Yeah. You know, there are mm-hmm. multiple things they could have done where you go like, well, I guess, well, maybe. But like, it's like they wanted to make sure that we just couldn't, which is, yeah. I think, kind of frustrating. Like, it is. maybe it's important. Maybe, especially when we see how the next episode goes, we'll understand it better. But maybe it's a terrible mistake, and maybe yeah. they unnecessarily frustrated a lot of people. One here. thing I hope for is 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 showing other people's culpability here. Not that Danny isn't obviously not because there's nothing you can do to to make Danny not guilty of burning all these innocents, even if her state of mind is is you know interesting to consider and a huge huge factor. But the naivete of people and like John being like just refusing to listen to Varus, you know, yeah, sure, Varus is you know that's a traitor, but John's being portrayed as like this upstanding guy for for not entertaining Varus's suggestion here. But Varus was right. I mean, he was a hypocrite about some stuff, and there's flaws with this plot line, but he, these characters are now faced with the realization that Varus was right, and they killed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, by the way, that Tyrion at least entertained what Varus had to say. Had a back-and-forth yes. discussion, in the end disagreed. Yeah. But it, he understood what's going on. John's like, I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. And yeah, it's. I think it's even if John sticks to his guns, I think he should at least be more receptive to these. Yeah, it's kind of like Ned. Kind of exactly. like Ned. Too know? rigid about these things. He puts his own honor and this code of honor above things that he shouldn't. This, cor- this is a lesson that Corn Halfhand taught him that he has not apparently taken to heart. Corn was like, honor isn't shit if it saves lives. Like your personal honor is nothing if it saves lives. He's like, if you go to your grave being, you know, like people think you were a bad dude, but if you actually saved lives. That matters. He's like he, the way he puts it in the books is really well. So he's like, our honor is coin spent, well spent for the realm. You know, our sac- mm-hmm. sacrificing our honor is like doesn't matter. And, and John, but and John was very concerned with how he was going to be seen after breaking his vows. And that's a little bit of a you know a vanity thing. It's, you know, you could you could argue you could argue that he's his priorities are very much out of whack. Uh, I hope they touch on that because I don't now, want Danny to just be this all about. I, like it's really annoying that John is. The one ethical person in the entire battle until Arya starts saving people at the end. Everybody else is either bent on revenge or bent on dying with their lover. Give Davos some credit. Well, Davos didn't do anything. I mean, you're right that he was there, but he right. doesn't. He wasn't giving orders. He was just going along with everything. Like he 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 wasn't unethical. 
but he, he wasn't you like John. In his head either during it. No, you're well. right. We weren't in his point. head. We weren't in his head during yeah. it, and so which I would like to be Davos is a POV character. He's a major character. He's a good guy, presumably. Yeah. I would have liked to see Davos's perspective. We yeah, did. We definitely kind of didn't out. see him charge in with Grey Worm attacking the unarmed. Right, Lannister he didn't soldiers, do that. Yeah, you know? he didn't do that. Um, but we have also didn't see him saving people or whatever. But yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's. Oh, that, that's I would have felt better if I saw Davos saving someone and having to kill someone than yeah. John. Like, like more yeah, other people than like yeah. that's a scene that bothered me a little bit. I'll go out there and say that. Like John yeah. taking like like I I like the idea of John having to kill a Stark soldier, right? Yeah. His own soldier to stop someone. But the idea of like they're really like. Making it really clear, John's the good guy. John is good. He's saving a woman from being raped. Even like it's they've both like, been gray for their whole careers. They've both been the focal point of so many so many people's uh, central plot uh, expectations because they're these two leader figures. To have them both go from gray to one be black and one be white is very jarring at the last minute. And it's not, and it wasn't like we said. I think they set up Danny's insanity. Not insanity. She's not insane. Her break or whatever you want to call it, pretty well logically in terms of the facts laid out but they didn't nail the moment of her transition the moment where she breaks the bells they did they failed in that moment and that's huge because because all these stuff we talked about it's a compelling reason for her to 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 break down the hunger the tiredness the trauma ptsd the loss those are compelling reasons to descend into madness or a psychotic break or whatever but in the moment when it happened when she but they didn't that's not enough for her to go kill children to me yeah like i it's, I'll say on one hand, they def, they definitely didn't not set this up. It's, right, you, you yes. can't say that. It's, it's cl- not they out included. of nowhere. But they also didn't only set this up. Yeah. They certainly didn't perfectly set. They this also up. set up that Danny oh. didn't want to kill children. Right, and then she so exactly yeah. so. <laughs> and, and I've even said in the past few weeks that I want, it's, I'm kind of frustrated that it's kind of hard to predict because there's so many different things that they seem to have set up that they don't follow through with. So many things seem to happen kind of out of nowhere. So yeah. some of the things, yeah, I guess they set them up, but it's there seems to be enough inconsistency that I understand people feeling like they didn't really yeah. set it up. Um, and even if they did, let's say they really did set it up, I don't know if they set it up well enough that some of the... like I wonder if even the break didn't really happen in that moment when the bells were ringing that she already broke two weeks ago or something. But they didn't really show us that. You yeah, know? They, they, they made an attempt, I should say. They didn't show us at all. It's not binary, right? They did show that she was disheveled. They told us she was eating and drink, eating and sleeping, etc. But I still feel like, once again, if we saw a scene of someone going to her door knocking, and she's like, leave me alone. We see her alone. We see her crying. We see her pulling her hair out. It could have given us a few moments, which would have been... Cause I want to give them credit for maybe wanting to surprise us because I think a lot of people were quite surprised by this, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe surprise moment after moment surprise. And so they want to give us that, but I still think it would have been surprising. I still think it would have been surprised even if we had showed her going through a grief process, whether it's because we just chalked it up to a grief process and not her descending into insanity, yeah. or even if we thought, wow, she's starting to go crazy, but that crazy? Oh, my God. It's uh, it's just, yeah. And, we, and even the, the logic behind it is there. It just isn't necessarily... A, it, it not there enough. enough to sell it it's like yeah. oh she wants to burn people because that scene with john where she's like oh i guess it's fear then because if this country won't love me the only way i'm going to be to rule is with fear she would prefer to rule with love and i know there's a lot of people irritated with the way they presented that moment between danny and john the way they explained it behind the episode but i really don't see it that way some people were saying 
oh, if John had just been willing to sleep with Danny, everything would be fine. Like, that is not what they were saying. They're saying, simple anyway, and, and yeah. It's, yeah, it's not that simple. And B, that's not what they were saying. They were saying that their exact words were, he's unable to return her affections. And that's because of the incest thing. But he's, it's, it's, it goes farther than that. He just can't do it because it's, you know, weird and creepy to him. But the political down, there's a pretty, pretty significant political outlook from here. John is beloved. She points this out. So if he is in a relationship with her, it endorses her. This hero of Westeros is endorsing her as a, in a relationship. But by rejecting her, he's kind of done the opposite. Yeah. That's bad. Like, even if some people would be like, oh, she probably dumped him there's going to be rumors and they're going to be like, oh, she, even people who think that will make her the bad guys. Like, oh, she dumped the hero of what? Like, who is she to do that? Like, he is a, this, he's a hero. You know, blah, blah, blah. So there's this, it doesn't look good. Any way you look yeah. at it from political Even if he optics. didn't mean to do it, it will happen. And also, probably, he didn't consider it. Yeah, It's exactly. the type of thing that Sansa would have considered. Sansa, exactly. even if Sansa yes. doesn't love whoever she's married up married up with against <laughs> Fortean Slip, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, she still would understand the role she needs to play yeah. as a leader the sacrifices that she has to make you yes know? and i think oh. this is a huge like john is so annoying that he doesn't think of these things like he's so great in terms of his like moral fortitude but he doesn't think through like the outcomes which would probably change his moral fortitude because he'd be like oh if i didn't realize that was causing this like he was oh, he was stunned like i said he was stunned at what was happening in this battle he shouldn't have been completely stunned he shouldn't have been co- stunned that men were that soldiers that had bloodlust were raping women. That's not, you know, it's, it's right to be like, oh, God, I need to stop this. That's a normal reaction, I suppose. But, yeah, he just, his naivete over and over and over is, is, is yeah, not... Fair, I was stunned they, also. I should have known and I was attack, stunned. They just so. don't point that out enough. They're not like, God, yeah. John, be smarter, you know? Yeah, and I, I, obviously, <laughs> yeah, you were stunned. Maybe John should have known and John... But John hasn't been part of, like, a conquering... You know, invading force before, but he has been around (laughs) groups of men who have gotten things have gotten away with them. Like, you know, seeing thinking of again, Craster's Keep and the mutiny there. Mm -hmm. Like, he's seen the darker side of of humanity already. But even there, those would have been like. The bad guys, the evil people, right? Maybe, but they were also not his allies. They, they not weren't Grey the Worm. bad guys. Like those yeah. were people of the Night's Watch. They, they were had been, like, yeah, they yeah. have been. Yeah, you know, some like term, some of them yeah. were bad and whatever. But like some of them got swept up in it. Whatever. I don't want to get too hung up on that. But the point is that John has seen some atrocities committed. Yeah. Um, but not where one where he's on the same side, like explicitly. Like, yeah. And also not right in front of his face. Yeah. And also not in the wake of, like he he's processing. The same thing that they all are. Yeah. Right? He's like, oh my god, Danny, they rang the bells. Oh my god, Grey Worm, they dropped their swords. Like, you know, yeah. like even if he was used to atrocities, this moment yeah, is no, still going to be. There, uh, there's still no way I yeah. can picture any person, anytime, anywhere, not reacting in a stunned manner. Yeah, oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the yeah. being stunned. It's the it's that he, it's the surprise. It's like, oh my god, I'm witnessing this. That's the of course it's going to yeah. be horrible to witness. But yeah. as a you know a guy who's been around war a bit it shouldn't be a total surprise in that sense like i'm trying to parse uh, surprise from shock yeah you know what i mean I, I i wanted to point i forgot how this tied in but i did want to say something earlier about Tyrion. um i guess we're talking about how maybe john's and ned's their honor while on one hand is has value and is respectable on the other hand has flaws and maybe is self-centered Tyrion told jamie's you know jamie's like you're gonna you might die you're gonna get yourself killed doing this and yeah. Tyrion's like Thousands of innocent lives versus one not so innocent life. Mm -hmm. You know, like it. It seems like if Tyrion 
and other people have been willing to sacrifice their lives. Tron should be willing to sacrifice his honor. And Ian Ned sacrificed his honor. So, yeah. It's, tough. it's also a little easier for us to sit back and analyze with modern perspectives, watching the episode three times, communicating <laughs> with each other what they should have perfectly done in the yeah. heat of the moment. It makes sense for John to screw some stuff up or not think about it in the right way. So if we get back to this moment, the, the turning point, I think that, you know, to convince the audience that Danny is capable of burning fleeing children, you need to... You need more than what we got, I think. Even though they gave us a lot. It just wasn't in... Some of it wasn't in that moment. That's it's the called key the thing. breaking point instead of the breaking turning point. point. Okay, breaking point. That's a good point. Uh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know... Uh, but and even though we've had clues that she can be a little scary since season one, like the way she was, like, cold about Viserys' death. And yeah, Viserys is awful. So it's like the time it was like, yeah, no big deal. But there's a lot of little things like that. However, we had an idea. We had an idea. There's something they did that I think would have... If they just did it slightly differently, it would have worked really well. This is the first time I've ever seen the be- the the next the the previously on episode. You know, they always kind of they sometimes give clues to like what they're going to address, but this is the first time where they added something. Yeah, and it yeah. was really powerful. Sean, you and I both were like, "Whoa, look at this!" And here you can re- you should read these uh, because it's really powerful. If they had done this during Danny's breaking point, it would have been awesome. This yeah. would have been showed what's kind of what's going on in her head, but it's I not. Have so we to got say, eight I quotes. I really here. disagree with the idea of them doing that during okay. Danny's breaking point because it's just would t- totally take me out of the immersion of the moment because they're not. Uh, if they were all quotes Danny had heard, well, what if they that were? That might have made it better. What if they yeah. were? If they were only okay. the quotes she had heard, I would be fine with it. I just have to give my own clarification. They there. weren't all quotes she had, she had heard. I don't think they were. Some no. of them, I think, were people talking. No, yeah, she didn't hear Aemon. There's no way she heard So to compromise both thoughts, is it? They could have done this, but a different set of quotes. If yeah, they had done this type just, of thing, I, yeah. but with a different set of quotes. And they could have done that right at the breaking point, like maybe like a minute before, just during the action sequence. Yeah, or just Not, the sequence of showing her alone in her room, yeah. refusing to answer the door. Sure. Uh, and they maybe they could have scrolled through a different series of lines. But anyway, let's hear But it was very quote. interesting. Yeah. Like you said, like, oh, wow, this is the most meaningful the intro has been. Sometimes it is. They definitely give you clues in the episode when Sandor, well, I guess that was a clue. But it wasn't, but, uh, but it wasn't added, though. Right, they, yeah. They, they just, but like, they, re-show you key moments. Yeah. So, so, so it's, yeah, read them out. He has a better claim to the throne, Varus. And he's, like, fired off and, in, like, and, five seconds. You hear all these things. And you miss them, probably, without subtitles. It really helps. We always watch the subtitles, and this was huge here, because we got to know, mm-hmm. like, I would have recognized the voices, probably, but... But yeah, as it's kind of closing to. in on her face, it's the face she's making as Miss Sunday is being killed. Yeah. And you, you, it's closing in on her face, and he has a better claim to the throne, you hear Vara say. Every time a Targaryen is born, born, the gods flip a coin, Cersei says. The Mad King gave his enemies the justice they thought he thought they deserved, Barristan says. Children are not their fathers, Tyrion says. Be a dragon, Olenna says. You have a gentle heart, Jor says. <laughs> Targar- or Targaryen alone in the world is a terrible thing, Amon says. And you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? Viserys says. And all these things are little pieces of her internal struggle. Yeah, um, our internal struggle, maybe. It was know? really good. Yeah, it was neat. I-, I wish they had, you know, like we said, maybe made more, made it more prominent. But I'm glad we got it. Uh, okay, so let's take a quick mid-roll break. We'll come back with more analysis, more questions, and more. Bad jokes, most likely. Also, I have to announce that we've hit over two thousand viewers. Two thousand. Oh my viewers. god! We oh. have. Uh, Does that right mean I now, have to dance? Are almost at twenty one hundred. That's what you guys were talking about. I thought I, last week just, we did both dance. I don't know did. if that counts. Kind I don't know if you let us off the hook you for were that. You were in your but. seats. I don't know. But as he's saying, oh no. So we'll do that Spot- at the end. The spotlight then. just fell onto me. A reason for y'all to stay tuned through the whole thing or to catch the ending if you are watching this afterwards. Uh, so we'll uh, get into that f- at the end. 
Um, so we'll need a song. You'll need to pick out a song for us. Um, wait, wait. I did pick out a song one a week. song, When I'm Small by Fantagram, you wanted to do Oh, that. okay. So we're already set for that. That's cool. And let's give some shout outs to our queens of love and beauty. They are uh, wonderful folks that have gotten shout outs. It's our one patron level where you get to make a shout out for someone else. Uh, of the, all the others, you design your own title or have us design the title for you. Aaron, Lady of Long Desert, names Emma of Starfall, the Queen of Love and Beauty, in sight of pods and men. And from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Carrie, uh, sorry, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Kari, Fire of the North, who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the wall. Very cool. Also want to remind you all that you can get a one free or two free downloads from audible.com. You can find the link on our website, historyofwesteros.com. And I highly recommend both Fire and Blood and The Thrones Effect, which was the book that Ashea and I contributed a chapter to, featuring a lot of other prominent YouTubers in the A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones community. Why not get it on audio instead of the hardcover, if that's what you prefer? That could be one of your two free downloads. And we uh, do the readings for a couple of the chapters, so it's not just our one chapter that, that our voices appear in. All right, a couple more questions, and then back to some of the battle stuff. Uh, second question here from Lana Allen. It does seem a bit of foreshadowing that Lady Olena, someone who had already lost everything, told her to beat a dragon. Yeah, in retrospect, that line really looms, because mm -hmm. she's also probably regretting not taking that advice right away. Because <laughs> <laughs> she just lost all these battles and lost all these soldiers and all this other awful stuff happened. Yeah, so, I didn't think of it until just now, but if if... If she, some combination of the advisors hadn't tried so hard to stop her or she had just defied them in the first place, would she have been as destructive? Yeah. Maybe she would have just not. gone straight for the red keep and not just decimated everything. Hmm. Yeah. From Bittersteel, <laughs> appropriately, a, a super chat about the Golden Company. He says, for the Golden Company, at least they fought well. Oh, wait. Yeah, they didn't fight at all, did they? Yeah, they didn't get much of a chance. <laughs> that was a slightly disappointing that they didn't get into action, but oh well. It's not like the action wasn't really good in this episode, so I'm not complaining about that. From Established, R.I.P. Kyburn. He didn't deserve better, but I'll miss his twisted necromantic ways. Right? Oh, man, I was... <laughs> Shocking. Uh, thought for sure that the whole series would end with him... Writing the story in a book, just like Frodo. <laughs> From Bill White, John killed all of them. She just needed to D. <laughs> See, it is all about Cox. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Josh Lazania. Three moments Dan and Dave said shocked them when George told them. Shireen, Hodor, and something at the end. You think Danny burning King's Landing is the third? Maybe. It could be. That makes sense. I do remember reading that at one point. Yeah, what is this shock? The problem that, is, yeah, though, that, that a lot of people think it. that the way this goes go down in the books is going to be a lot different, that it may be a little more accidental, that it, the targeting will be a lot different, that it will be more collateral. Like, we can't assume that the details will be exactly the same, even if the broad strokes... Like, a lot of people think that she'll be blamed for it. Like, if there's wildfire caches, which we did see little hints of the wildfire. They gave a nod to that by some just random wildfire explosions that were pretty small. Relatively small. Yeah. Like, they would be huge if it weren't for the, all, all the dragon fire everywhere. They, yeah. By themselves, they would start huge fires if there weren't already fires everywhere. But that could be... Yeah, that could be it. But I'm, I'm, my skepticism is that the burning might be a lot more nuanced. But if, for them to have portrayed it this way, this is maybe how they interpreted it. If George told them this and they did it their own way. Well, that would be shocking to them if this, was, if this is what they heard when he said it. So there's a 
couple of ways to look at it. I, I, I like to try to put myself, it's kind of a thought experiment of putting yourself into the idea of how George would tell them bullet points and try to think about how certain things could hmm. be, you know, just drilled down into a bullet point. So, you know, yeah. Danny burns King's Landing and is killed or dies afterwards. Or is blamed for whatever, it. You know, whatever, you, whatever, yeah. however you want to like bring that down to just a, a sentence or two. And how they have to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Maybe it's more like a paragraph that they got, but I, I don't think mm. that it's a, a, a very thorough outline. Agree. So I, maybe certain bullet points or are like Arya, you know, uh, goes back towards a path of redemption instead of continuing on a path for revenge. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that. Like they know that they don't know how to get there or what the steps are, but they know that bullet point. And so I, I challenge everyone to, when thinking about these things, try to think about what the bullet point is that they could have gotten. Yeah. It's I've thought a lot about yeah. that. That's yeah. exactly where I was at with Kyber. That's a very simple moment of Kyber being killed by the mountain. Like maybe that's what George said. Kyber was killed, is killed by his own creation. There's a lot, a lot of ways for that to be far more interesting yeah. than what happened, which it wasn't uninteresting. It was a fitting way for it to go, but it wasn't exactly like nuanced. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a perfect example of thing that could be a lot more. Um, there's a lot more, to, could be a lot more to it. Uh, from Brian Crane, anyone else turned off by the exploding buildings from Dragonfire? What's King's Landing made of? I thought stone would only melt from Dragonfire. Well, you know, honestly, the first time they did that, I was turned off, but that was done many seasons ago, and they've just kept doing it. So it's, you know, I think the time to be annoyed by that was a while ago, and because it's just a pattern they've continued. Uh, you know, we have to expect they're going to keep doing that. Um, however, it seemed like that was turned up another notch or two here. But yeah. if we're saying Drogon is growing his fire should be hotter so it's kind of the pattern of the explosions these unrealistic also, explosions should be bigger <laughs> there also is a again i don't really care they can do what they want or even change it different dragons might work differently like there's yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. the heat but there's also like the force of the blast yeah and yeah. like what's coming out of viserion with that night king has is it heat is it ice yeah, is it know. the force yeah. of the blast it seems to be what they're using the dragon's power as, yeah. whether that's realistic, I don't care. And also, uh, a theory I like to back it all up as an underpinning is, is Drogon quite clearly feels Danny's emotions. So if Danny is full of rage, maybe his fire's a little hotter. Yeah. You know, he's just like, he's intense as well. He's like, and they made a big deal of him screaming constantly. Like, there was this constant, like, screaming of the dragon constantly throughout the episode and it was like added to the whole tone of everything. It was another kind of thing, if I was going to nitpick, I would say, like, a lot of times in, in movies when people are running around with a pistol and through like 13 minutes of action, they fire 180 shots and they never reload. Like, does Drogon just have infinite fire breathing? His wings never get tired. He never runs out of breath. He's magical. Um, from Pablo Avastigi, sorry if I said your name wrong. Is John going to pull an Hour of the Wolf 2.0 for the guys? Yeah, I, I, I have, we're going to talk more about that in the book to show because it's more of a Song of Ice and Fire thing. But I think that personally, if you're looking for parallels, I think Sansa looks more like a Cregan Stark to me because uh, John is, is hesitant to uh, be a hardliner. But what he just saw may have changed his mind. We'll see. Uh, I do think that something like that's going to happen. I'm not quite sure which character will play which role. But yeah, we'll get into, into that more on Wednesday. Karen Sita for 2K Watchers. Hit the like button. Yes, please hit the like button. And yeah, thank you for celebrating our, our getting of 2K. That's a new high for us. A couple of things about cinematography mixed into some of these scenes. Clegane Bowl. We talked about that. Um, I know you, your thoughts, I think, are a little different than mine on this, but... Like, this was just a revenge arc. You know, it was never meant to be nuanced or to have a lot of depth to it. 
so I think they played to the moment as best as they could by making it, this battle as, scen- as scenic as possible. Um, because you can't really have a lot of nuance to two huge dudes just wailing on each other. And they did have a character moment. It was just before the fight. It was Arya and Sandor's character moment, which is really good. I thought that was a really strong moment. Her saying, look, don't be like him saying, don't be like me. Don't make your whole life about revenge. That's, that's Don't do that. You know, and he got to hey, say, look at me, which was what? a nod to his book line that he got stolen. His his conversation with Arya is why at the end of the episode, I felt so strongly like she's just leaving. She's just getting out. And, and oh. you know, obviously that was people had such different opinions on okay. what, where Arya was going and whether she was going to kill Daenerys or kill Drogon or anything like that that okay. we're not going to get into right here. But that conversation with, with Sandor what did make me feel like she's getting out and she was going to get out. And I guess it's like one of those, uh, like it makes me think one of those old, you know, cop movies, you know, like just when I thought I was out, they yeah. pulled me back in. <laughs> the Godfather three line. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. you can't, you, you can have character moments before the spectacle, but yeah. once you get to the fight, it's gotta be all spectacle. And so I was okay with them just making it really amazing with the staircase. If she has this, this, this shot here, we can pull up of, of the, the epicness of them being on a staircase with it all collapsing behind with Drogon in the background. And I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, as far as expectations, I don't know what else I could have hoped for there. I, I want to be clear. I wasn't, I don't mean to be too negative about this. Yeah. It's, it was just, I'm trying to think how to say it. It seemed less important or climatic or special. I don't know what I want to use in the context of everything else. Mm. I thought it itself would be this climactic moment. I thought we would have these characters arrayed it's somewhere in king's landing confronting cersei the mountain there standing to defend her against Arya and gray worm and the hound and it's this melee between them and in the last minute you know the hound gets chopped down Arya slashes his throat someone grabs cersei and like whoa but instead it was like this side battle you know what i mean it's like, it's like, everything else that was happening was so much bigger that this almost didn't matter mm-hmm. now it did uh, maybe that is um, well, that's part of what poetically important. Yeah. that it doesn't matter. It's just just revenge. Sandor shouldn't be messing around with this. The Gregor's going to die anyway. That this is why Arya needs to get out of there. That it doesn't matter. That's what um, I liked about it. That, that that there was not a positive message at the end of his revenge story. Yeah. It's like his revenge story did end in his death, and there wasn't like a yeah, he got revenge. You know that because yeah. that's not good. That's not a good yeah. thing to devote your it's life It's not like he stopped the mountain and now the mountain won't do any more damage. He won't yeah. do any more damage anyway. Yeah, exactly. And it also did, I guess, add to the epicness of the, the battle because in the background, everything collapsing around yeah. him, the fire. And their so, fall was like, you get to see this this like long plunge and you get to see mm-hmm. the scenery as they're falling. Yeah, it, like they put a lot of backdrop behind it. I, I can't help but also want to bring up Arya and her revenge plot. I mean, we saw her revenge plot. She killed Walder Frey. Like, she got a lot of her revenge, you know. She, she did. did, yeah. It's- um and she came back from it and is I, I I don't know how I feel about all of that I'm I'm hmm. most mixed up and I I really can't say until next episode until we see where Arya ends yeah. Yeah, uh, where I think she's gonna end up but that scene with Sandor made it feel like there was a path back to humanity for her where she was you know gonna leave and and maybe not just go off and be on her own and maybe oh see her family again or maybe she felt like she was too dedicated to this revenge but now maybe that's part of the path of humanity is to stop danny yeah it's not like revenge it's not like she is is necessarily trying to get revenge on danny or on drogon either way it's just that she could just be like these people these beings cannot exist now yeah Uh, they are dangerous so moving to um you know it's funny that we talked about the euron and jamie fight and how it just seemed 
And I agree, it was kind of meh, didn't really do much for me. But just a point of perspective here, that moment, that scene meant a lot to people from Denmark. That is being called behind the scenes the Dane Bowl, because those are both Danish actors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on set, after 15 years of being colleagues, I get two days to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of cool. Like I said, you know, I, I don't know what kind of could have done with Euron to make his death interesting. I, I really wanted to see him die via drowning. Burning or drowning. Would Bur- cool, he would have been yeah. burned and then drowning. And just like instead of three minutes for him and Jamie to fight, you get the three seconds or whatever where you see him dead in the water, which is Sinking very... Sinking down very, like we saw yeah. Jamie sink down in a water. Yeah, very yeah. suitable for him. And yeah. then Jamie still gets to King's Landing, goes up to Cersei... And they die in the rubble. It's the exact same set of events. Like, there's no difference. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. it's just a waste of time to me. But at least, like like you said, Dane. Uh, the Dane Bowl. <laughs> Gives us a pun. <laughs> so Dane Bowl and the Dane Bowl. So I do have more thoughts on your on Jamie. We'll talk about in the book to show on Wednesday. Um, so let's talk about Jamie and Cersei. That, of course, is a natural segue from Jamie moving away from the middle. It always made sense they would die together. That's that was a surprise to nobody. Maybe some of the details and some of the how he got there. And it was never, it was always a major hiccup for him to kill her Real because quick, of the pregnancy. I'm so sorry, but I got to back up for a second because there's a point I wanted to make. I, okay. I, I've been predicting that we might see Arya fulfill her promise to Gregor. Uh, to Sandor of shoving a blade through his eye out the back of his head. Yeah. Which, of course, we didn't see that, but we saw Sandor shove a blade through Gregor's eye. <laughs> he got to do it. That's a good point. Yeah. Good point. Sorry to cut you off there. But. Um, so, let, yeah. So, Jamie and Cersei. Um, I, I think that maybe Cersei's final moments were a little muted, um, but I don't have any complaints there. I, it, it met my expectations. Um, you know, there's certainly things they could have done differently, but I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it. I think it was fine. It was kind of an ending to the arc that I sort of expected, and their acting was really strong. And, uh, yeah, like someone said earlier, it was poetic. What do you think? I overall liked it, although, like a lot of things, I understand and expect a lot of people to not like it. I think mm-hmm. some people wanted to see her die, wanted more specifically to see Danny kill her or Arya kill her, not just she got crushed and yeah, you know. Danny did yeah. kill her, right? But we true. didn't see I mean, Danny kill her. No, Danny we didn't. didn't, see it, we didn't but... Danny didn't see her. Kill Danny her, will know, you know that next episode that yeah. she did that. Maybe they'll dig out of the rubble. Danny gets credit for it, but I still think it would have been a better payoff for a lot of people if she just charged her dragon right to that balcony of the Red Keep, fire blowing the whole way, and Cersei got. Hmm. Singed to a crisp, you know. Yeah, I think that would have been more satisfying to some people. I didn't necessarily want or expect to care about that, but I guarantee you, a million people did. Oh yeah, a lot of people wanted her uh, to be burned to a crisp or, or murdered savagely. But what I what I did that's, appreciate that's was not how they do that. What I wanted more <laughs> out of that was for Danny to make the decision to go straight for the Red Keep, right? And yes. to target this would not give Cersei the chance to even escape or for or anything like that. Because yeah. she was yeah. just giving her more of a chance to get away. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, it, it almost seemed like. Danny was avoiding killing Cersei. Maybe, and maybe even they wanted, she wanted Cersei to see, I guess. I don't know. But, but there were some things about it I did like. I liked the idea of her being buried in King's Landing. You know, mm. like, I liked the idea of her, um, that moment. I guess it was a little before the moment they actually die, but when she's standing on that map of Westeros, by the way, Shay, do you have this image? 
the one where she's standing on the map of Restoros, and that crack opens across the floor, and it kind of splits it north and south. That was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a visually neat moment to see things falling apart, but also kind of symbolic that Westeros is being split apart underneath our feet. Yeah. And I even wondered if it was relevant where that crack was, the fact that it was <laughs> cutting it, dividing it between north and south. Right, then the line goes right by King's Landing, which if it goes straight across, also goes right by, it was a little hard to see exactly, but it seems it, like it would go right, right cast, Casterly Rock. It definitely, yeah, it goes. It definitely goes right across. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, another fun, just random moment I loved as far as visuals that I just have to highlight, which doesn't belong in any particular discussion. It's just a fun moment. There's a moment uh, at around 38 minutes in that I dubbed "Flying Fire Guy," which he's he's specifically uh, given a little bit of screen time in the behind the episode stuff, the uh, game revealed. Good job, Aziz. I remembered again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so here's the shot. You can see this one poor dude who is still standing on the battlements after the gate was blown open, and Danny makes a second pass later. And this one dude gets torched. You can see him falling down in flames. And yeah, ouch, the poor dude. <laughs> and then afterwards, they were congratulating the actor because he did a good job. Good job, dude. You survived your uh, stunt there. It, it looks like we're facing a sort of queen of the ashes situation here. There's so much destruction and so much... Uh, to recover from. And, you know, I, I want to point out that the difference between acting smart and acting, acting ethically, we got into this a little bit earlier, but I want to focus on a little more and, and how John is portrayed as one of the few ethical people in this, in this, in these scenes and how everybody else is either not or either kind of neutral or, or whatever. But on terms of behaving intelligently and logically making, making good decisions. And I'm not referring to bad writing here. I just think that it's, it's a theme that people are just being a slave to their emotions, a slave to their desires, or just making lots of mistakes like Tyrion. So many mistakes with regards to trusting certain people and giving away information that he shouldn't give away in terms of the battle and misweighing things and probably not handling Daenerys very well. Like as we talked about, not like talking to her more and like helping her with helping her out with her state of mind. Like they just didn't do that. And Varys, well, we've been through that already. There's this, he's been hypocritical about a lot of things, even though he's ultimately quote unquote, right. Jamie rushing off to die with his sister. I mean, that's falling back on the worst habit he's ever had, you know, uh, Sandor, ditto, right. Arya was on that track, too, until she was talked out of it. And then she seemed to have a real transformation there at the end, which is really interesting. But still, most of the episode, she was right with everybody else, just out for blood. John, not out for blood, but we talked about how naive and frustrating he was. I don't need to rehash that. The person, you know, the smartest people are the ones who weren't there, <laughs> stayed away. Like, Brienne didn't come <laughs> follow levels. We wondered if that would happen. Good for her. Mm -hmm. She didn't. <laughs> you know, I really thought she might, but I'm glad she didn't. Sansa has been, like, right about everything. <laughs> You know, like, has nailed it. She was right to not, she was like, look, I don't know if we can trust Danny. Turned out to be right. Maybe she, she had a role in that, in making that situation worse. Yeah, sir, some people would argue that because she let it slip, that it made, it, it caused more pressure to Danny and is what yeah. led Danny to snap, yada, yada. It's really hard to assign the blame at any point. You just got to say that it, it, it happened. A lot of, a lot of people led to yeah. this cascade effect. Which, yeah. Like, you know, if, the cascade. if Tyrion yeah. had gone to Danny before he went to Vars. Yeah. Yeah, then it might have been different. Would, that have, would she have felt more 
less she, betrayed. I had yeah. to have more time to think of things out, consider how to go forward, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And if they had talked about how, how you know, what, who John had already told, and yeah. maybe there's a different argument for convincing John not to, someone else could talk to John and be like, look, here's another reason why you shouldn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me convince you that Sansa will tell someone, which Danny was right about that, you know? And that maybe is like a, a, a question, a, 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 an important point that people in the fandom care about is, was this inevitable? Are are they trying to tell us that she was going to go crazy no matter what because she's Targaryen, which I and a lot of people think yeah. is kind of weak? Or was she really driven to this by specific events that were occurrences that were happening to her, pushing her to it's this? It's kind you know? of like the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy and the idea yeah. of, of you know, you, you have a, yeah, destiny versus decision. If ever, all these people around you are talking about and have these ideas of some Targaryens go mad and this is a possibility and Varys is talking about flipping the coin, well... Yeah. Then you're gonna you're gonna be more inclined to do that. It's it's just the case, and just yeah. like you're more likely to feel like you're a prophetic, you know, hero if there's actually prophecies about you. Yeah, it's wild. Like we can't we can't conceive of what that would do to somebody. Um, yeah, if your life you're told you might go crazy. You, yeah. Some of your family yeah. members are crazy, and then when you feel like a little bit of the bloodlust, and you're on your dragon, you're like, "Oh, this is it now. I'm in it." And she just, you know, goes all in. Potentially, I can't. There's, I don't have to love it. But there's a, another thing that I don't know frustrates me a little bit because even if somehow you're trying to have some hope that she didn't really go insane, this is a moment where she lost it. Th- th- really, should be a good leader after this. History won't care as much as long as everything. Da da da. Um, one, I still feel like what she did is just unforgivable. Whether or not you want to call it insane, it was an insane thing to happen, you know? Yeah, an insane and, act, not necessarily an insane person. Right. Yeah. And it also, even if she is definitively not insane after this, still not so sure we should let her be in charge with these dragons. But also, it makes sense to me that someone would go insane after this. Imagine having that death on your soul, you know? Realizing like, what you had done. It might be unrealistic for her to not go insane. I think that's a great point that, yeah, the the... the the weight of knowing what how many did. people you killed and she's going to be faced with it. Like we're, we have to be seeing her like walking the streets and seeing just the kind of things Arya saw. And that's got to affect you emotionally. And even yeah. if she puts up a veneer for a minute, I feel like she's going to crack again. Exactly. And- like one way to deal with that might be to block it out, but it's still in there your whole life when you yeah. still have a dragon, you know, she's got to live with what she's done. If assuming she does live, then yeah. So I wonder about that. I was pretty adamant, I think, last time that I don't think John would kill Danny. I still, I backed off on that somewhat. I don't think I'm not adamant about that anymore. Yeah. I still don't think. I don't so, think he will but, either. I think someone I, else would, or but he might be pushed into it by other people. He might be pushed into it by his own I have guilt. To say, my, we we talked about how many people there even were that were possible to kill Danny. Yeah, and the numbers were so few. Like yeah. it's really oh, yeah. out of the actual feasible people, it really comes down to you know, like Arya John and, John and Arya are, yeah. are the most possible. And there's technically some other people you can mention yeah. that are named characters, but it's so few. But one person I want to mention that I, I I don't think is likely, but I just don't think is getting enough enough mention is Daenerys herself like we yeah. have this idea okay. of Maegor the Cruel in the past like potentially having killed himself on the Iron Throne and mm. just the idea of like Daenerys not being able to live with what she's done is very meaningful to me I don't think that she's going to do that and I think lots of people would be so upset it would cast a 
it would have its own issues with the message, but in mm. terms of the third option, I think Daenerys is is the third it's most probably likely. better than John killing her. Though, right? Do you think Tyrion could be an option? In terms of reactions, I think Tyrion's one. Of, Tyrion and Davos are the only two other options. No, oh, oh, oh. no, I mean if if they overthrow her and have her, I think executed. Arya. I think Arya and John are the most likely. Yeah, I agree. And as much as other people, I guess maybe than herself, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um. I and I'm kind of torn on John because part of me feels like. He won't do it out of honor, out of love for her, whatever it is about him. You know, he doesn't want to be Kingslayer. Um, and, and also because he's, he literally specifically reinforced her vows to her. Yeah. I love you. You will always be my queen. You know, but that also maybe makes it all the more tragic for him to actually do it, all the more yeah. unexpected or important for him to or whatever. Um, so this is really neat because I, I think they missed a small opportunity to use one particular line that was I thought is really poignant and super applies to this episode. I believe it comes from season four, and it's Jorah saying there's a beast inside every man and it comes to life when you put a sword in his hand. I'm paraphrasing that quote slightly. But holy crap, that's perfect for this episode. And it's it's all because it all not only applies to these soldiers looting and pillaging, but to Danny herself, potentially. And uh but Danny's own words from long ago. Also, really ring powerful here. I will take what is mine with fire and blood. She we never maybe took that ser- seriously enough. It was a slogan that was like, yeah, she's fierce. She's badass. But we never really thought of how it could be applied to yeah. in the wrong ways. And yeah, that's that's uh, that's tough. Uh, let's see. So do you have any thoughts? Any more thoughts on that? I, I do have one. Cool. Quick thought. I forgot to bring this up. when We were talking about uh, Jamie and Cersei. Yeah. Jamie told Braun. Remember, Jamie and Braun talked about how they wanted to die. Oh yeah, in your arms is the woman he loves. It's true. Yeah. He mm-hmm. did get that. He did have that come come to fruition. Another thing that's interesting to me about John is something that Danny said a while back that like he's a hero and heroes have this you know he's a dumb heroes have this you know pattern of getting themselves killed doing dumb brave things or whatever. And John has done enough dumb things to get killed several times over and then come back once. And has gotten killed, yeah. <laughs> and, and actually has gotten killed. But it, that's a thing that comes up. Like, they, he's a savior character in a lot of ways, but he's also had to be saved a lot of times. He's been saved Very by Corrin, by his own brothers when he deserted, by Danny. By, by one of Craster's wives. By, yeah, he's been saved. Yeah, stabbed the, the, the Carl from behind. Yeah. yeah, just tons of times he's been saved at the last minute. Ghost, yeah. So... You know, that's uh, a part of who he is, that he gets into trouble with his with with his passion is not thinking and just trying to act and be good, you know. And you, you want to encourage people being good, but you don't want to encourage people not thinking. <laughs> you want to think ahead. You want to be yeah. good and think ahead. And not yeah. be naive. And John is just very naive about certain things. Like, we've, we've beaten this horse to death, but the fact that he just wouldn't listen to, no, Santa will tell. <laughs> you know, he's like, no, she won't. And his just repeated thinking that I don't want it is somehow enough. Like, oh, I'm just going to tell them I don't want it. Like, come on. That's not enough. Everyone knows that's not enough. Everyone's telling you that's not enough. Danny tells you that's not enough. Sansa tells you that's not enough. Varys tells you that's not enough. I wonder how the These are all people smarter than him yeah. about this, and he doesn't listen to any of them. I wonder how the conversation would go if they pushed that farther. You know what I mean? Like, mm. we feel like we know the rebuttal of that, but then I wonder what's John's rebuttal to that? You know, what, yeah. if people try to explain to him you know, look, you have this honor. You think it won't. But A, are you so sure for everyone else? B, let's say you're wrong. Let's yeah. weigh the, the the risk that's being taken if you're wrong. Like, let's say you're 99% sure you're right. And we agree to you. What does that other 1% do? Let's think about yeah. it for a second. You know, I'll note that a lot of people in our chat have, have over the you know past weeks, have, have brought up the idea that 
if John feels this so strongly, why doesn't he join the Night's Watch again or join, become a maester or do something, yeah. you know, that like Maester Eamon himself did just to try to dissuade people from putting him on the throne, put another barrier up. Exactly. Because I think that is part of what the conversation would be. John, I think, would realize if they talked it out that sure you don't want it, sure you won't have ambition. Sure, they'll respect she's a queen, she has a dragon, but also do you not realize it will cause dissent? It will cause frustration. Danny will be paranoid. You've already seen it happening. Varus, remember that time? Like, they could go, so, so, how else can we address this, John? What's another thing we can do? Can you see our concerns? Mm, yeah, I guess yeah. I can see your concerns. What could I do? Well, you could go to the wall. Oh, I could go. To, you know, like, <laughs> but we never get deep. We never get yeah, into that. And I don't know how much of that is just John is naive. I think it's. I'm going to say bad writing. I feel like they should give us some dialogue over and over again. I think keeping keep thinking of conversations that they should have showed us. You know? We'll see if they get into any of that in this last episode. It I, should I'm, come to a head. I'm in some curious. Ways. John and Eamon never had a conversation in the show about why Eamon joined, you know, the Citadel and then the Night's he did. Watch. They did it wasn't have that exactly conversation. a conversation. Why he told him? He told, he told him, but him. didn't really I don't discuss think he gave it. All the details. He said he, he said he'm the son of Makar. Yeah, I just wanted to know stuff. if yeah. John had that experience in his head in the show of of having like yeah. seen a Targaryen who had to go through that. And by the way, wouldn't it have been neat if we get that a moment in the same way we kind of want Danny as he, she's descending into madness, ostensibly reflecting on things that have been said to her? Wouldn't it be neat to have John <laughs> hear things that were said yeah. to him over time? You know, definitely. Some of those um, same quotes that he actually heard would have been good ones to hear again, to be reminded of, you know. So another, uh, maybe not surprising, maybe not surprising, but alarming characterization was even Grey Worm giving in to bloodlust and his deep need for revenge. Behind the scenes, Jacob Anderson refers to himself as a traumatized robot. And uh, one of the other behind the scenes people calls him an angel of death, which is to show that he is somewhat emotionless or rather his emotion is all geared very narrow at this point and he's all about yeah well trauma and killing and uh that really sold the surrender moment for me because it just did not seem like him especially not him or john would would attack especially not from behind like they were through the spear into that guy's back that was like whoa and that was legitimately surprising and i did not see that coming i did not think they would attack unarmed Guys who would surrender like that, you know, Danny burning them from above. I thought that might happen. I saw that coming, but them actually attacking, I didn't see that coming, and it was it was very powerful. To say uh, originally, as I went through a lot of emotions as I saw that, and like Grey Worm throws his spear and like starts killing, and I was, what I read into it at that moment is like. Drogon is burning the city. People are going to die via burning and Grey Worm's like, if I'm going to go out and I'm going out, I'm going out in the heat of battle. All the, A lot of these men who are soldiers, it's better for us to go out right here fighting and I'm also going to get out all my anger rather than us just purely burning to death. And I think I was reading too much into it in retrospect. Hmm. But in that moment, I felt like there was more layers to it as well, I okay. guess. Right on. Okay, um, let's take a final set of questions, and then we'll uh, dance our way out of this. (laughs) 
from William Coupland, speaking of music, here's an alternative soundtrack for this last episode. He suggests Susie and the Banshees, Cities in Dust, Crazy World of Arthur Brown, Fire, Metallica, For Whom the Bell Tolls, nice, Slayer, Evil Has No Boundaries, or Angel of Death. Yeah, Angel of Death, given what we just said about Grey Worm, fits really nicely. Megadeth, Killing is My Business, and Business is Good. There are several other Megadeth songs that would fit there, I think. And Mastodon, The Wolf is Loose. Yep, also several other Mastodon songs that would fit there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, good call. I encourage all of you to insert songs from your personal favorites into the chat that you think would be good soundtrack songs for this episode. Speaking of music, uh, Sylvia Sabrek says, notice the credits ending with the Night King theme. Honestly, I thought it ended with Reigns of Castamere, which I thought was a little odd, but interesting. But maybe I heard. I thought I read somewhere that it was that, that there were there were some new songs mm-hmm. that were mashed up themes of prior okay. songs maybe that was what we she heard the yeah. one part and i heard the other part that would make sense i guess we'll have to have more information on wednesday we'll yep. make a note to look at the music stuff definitely by the way another song with as as drogon's burning the ships smoke on the water very good call very good call and uh yeah so, a question from Ahmed Ali. Sansa just got what she wanted against Danny. Yeah, that's what Danny said. She said she knew that. She she figured it out. She knew that she knew that Sansa knew that telling the secret to Tyrion would have the result it had. And she says she killed Varys as much as you know as anyone by spilling that secret, which is you know yeah, that I, I didn't logic. like that. I didn't like that logic because she had just blamed John for breaking the secret, and that's who told. Part the problem is, you know, like many you can blame, of these things, you can't can just them. blame one person, right? Yeah, like we said a minute ago, cascade effect. Yeah, so uh, little angry Irishman says D and D too concerned with twists, trying for a surprise ruler. I mean, I I have brought up the possibility of Bran being the the twist ruler at the end, and other people have too. Uh, there, I guess there's other possible twist rulers for sure. Just name one. I don't know. Uh, Grey Worm. <laughs> you know, that would be quite a twist. Yeah. I don't know how the hell they could pull that off. Davos. Davos. Yeah. yeah. He's worth. He's more likely, I think, than a lot of the others, even though I don't think that's likely. Yeah. So, but yeah. So I think, yes, I think they might want to go for twist. However, if let's say Bran ends up king, that would be the thing that surprised them potentially. Not Rather than Danny, Danny turning, it would be Bran. Yeah, or if, which is yeah. an argument against Bran being king. That that wouldn't both those things be really shocking to hear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if George told them. So yeah, I don't know if either of those can be eliminated. So and one of them has already happened. And so, <laughs> but still, I think it's very possible. But uh, if you if you want to hear my reasoning for that, it was from our predictions episode last week, and I believe I may have mentioned it before that as well. But that's you, where you I can also look up Great Council ASOIF and just find stuff people talking about Great Councils in the past, which is what yes. Aziz's idea was rooted in. Yes, for context. From Vampiris ninety nine or Vampiris ninety nine, we look with the look Grey Worm was giving John and the bit about the Unsullied having learning the common tongue. I'm thinking Danny and Grey Worm had that plan already in place. Mm, they may have. That's interesting. Yeah, I was wondering about that look that passed between them there. I think the bit about the common tongue is very notable. I, I think that that helps uh, clinch that Grey Worm understood more of what conversations were happening in front of him than people thought. Maybe. Although it's maybe implied that they had learned the common tongue. They yeah. didn't know it right away. Well, I still think, well, yeah. yeah, they learned it. But that Grey Worm there, for example, I, I'm trying to, th- what the conversation is where Tyrion's talking about, like, what to do mm. with John, you know? Okay. That Grey Worm would have heard more of that i still think that they should know that gray worm knows more of it. and well, i they know, know gray worm knows yeah, yeah they've talked yeah. to him a bunch of times but i think the rest of the insults yeah. i'm not sure about i yeah. did also wonder that the look that danny gave gray worm and the, the i'm gonna say 
quickness that Grey Worm went back to attacking once Danny started attacking the city after the bells even. Maybe maybe that it wasn't necessarily planned, but they were still on the same page. They still knew Drakaris was ringing in their... Missandei's voice saying Drakaris was ringing in their ears the same. Hmm. From Rebecca Bellick, related, related, Rebea, related question from Rebea. Easy for you to say. Apparently <laughs> not. Do you think that the full-on attack by Grey Worm and Danny was pre-planned at the start of the episode? Danny told Grey Worm, "You'll know when it's time." So yeah, I mean that is that is possible. Um, yeah, I think that you know when it's time was referring to her busting through from behind. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. That but it still doesn't mean they couldn't have at least been on the same page about what was going to end up happening. Here. Yeah, I think you're right. It's more likely that the, the that that's the time like when she blows the gate. Yeah, because <laughs> that is real clear. Yep, that's the time. All right, when the gate is exploded. Yeah. <laughs> From Anthony Vasquez, I personally think that what Danny did was necessary. Drogon is equivalent to a nuclear deterrent. She can now prevent future attacks, battles, and war. She sent the realm a message. Right or wrong? Well, couldn't she have done that without burning so many kids? Like, I think she yes. could have just done... She could have shown the power of this battle station, like yeah. the Death Star, without using it against a civilian target. You can blow up an empty planet... And be like, look, I could turn this against a real planet. Although, I mean, she can just it, do the, the the walls of King's Landing. Well, yeah. yes, I want to counter yeah. my argument here, though. But there's a difference between showing that you can do it and actually proving that you're willing to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, a couple thoughts here. One is, I've had the same thought about World War II. We could have just set a nuclear bomb off on some mountainside and just look. We could drop that look, on you, Japan, at noon on this date. Look at this spot. Watch what happens. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you surrender? Like, if we really thought we needed to do it, we could have demonstrated first. We could have picked a city with a smaller population. So many things. Danny could have. And, and in fact, I'm going to say what I thought. Like all the different things along the way. Remember, I said they were trying to make sure it was indefensible. Like, if she had started this before the bells rang, like she waited and waited. They didn't ring. Okay, that's it. I'm going. And then after that, the bells ring, and she keeps going. Even that is maybe more defensible, but she did it before, or I mean, she did it after the bells ring, not before. Then also, I thought what was happening is she was just zooming toward the Red Keep. She's going to take yeah. out Cersei, and she's going to put an exclamation mark on it and burn everything in the path, innocent or otherwise. You know, that's what I kind of thought. And, 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 and I was hoping maybe she was just going to burn a line of troops on the path there, but it seems like she's getting innocent too. I'm like, well, I guess she's an incidental prove she's willing to do it she's gonna get cersei but then it cuts and she's just zigzagging back and forth and i'm like oh my god like she's she making she up for keeps zigzagging back. <laughs> uh, this is that's done little boy yeah so i the the idea that it's necessary like there may be some piece of this that was quote-unquote necessary but i don't think the entirety of it was and this gets back to our original point about analytics versus anger if she would been a little more analytical about where the precise you know targeted targeted horror to have to maximum effect to show what she's capable of would be a lot better than just going off and just slaughtering people and and, mm. and using that for the same cause you know she could have engineered like, it like think in, in fact think about you this know? let's say that it's, let's say somehow this was necessary to prevent future attacks battles and wars let's let's say that this deterrent thing, yeah. right what do you think would happen in a future attack how many people would die how many of them would be soldiers that signed up mm. for the war versus innocent children? It had nothing to yeah. do with like, this. Th th it's not justified. I, I just can't okay. see how a future war that she deters is worse than this. Well, here's an alternate take. Indeed, Lady Marmalade says violence begets violence. Guns and bombs don't bring peace. No one else but Danny can be blamed for her burning one million people. Well, 
I don't think she actually burned all of them, but you know, she did. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a huge amounts of cash. We don't yeah. know, but it's, it's some huge amount. Yeah, some really huge amount. But I doubt it's even half. <laughs> only half. Only half. Only, only five hundred thousand. <laughs> but I think that's you know, in this in this setting, I. I would like to, see, you know, you you wonder how long it would take for them to get out of a cycle of violence, but they are they do not really understand that concept. I don't know. This yeah. is this this world does not get that. It yet. seems like they should. Some places they talk might. about smashing the wheel, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I I wonder, you know, that might be. I think she's. I think Lady Marmalade is right in the modern world to a certain extent. It's it's a little hard to apply this to their thinking, but you can apply parts of it. You can say, well, yeah. you got to start somewhere. You got if if that process takes a long time, well, get it started. You know, uh, from B One Mary. The only way this works for me is if Brand warped into Daenerys. <laughs> the finale is Brand controlling everyone and everything. All those scenes they didn't allow will be shown all completely under Brand's abilities. <laughs> I'm not sure if that would make more sense, but it it is technically possible. It's um, all Bran's dream. There were no. That's Bran why is Bobby Ewing. <laughs> that's why they didn't show Danny because her eyes had turned white from Bran control. And that, that is by something we haven't, we haven't mentioned yet. Is that's a? Okay. I, I can't believe I've never heard that term. Bran control. Brain control. Bran, Bran control. control. Brain control. That's funny. Bran controlled a major Tom. And th- that they didn't. We didn't talk about this very much. But that that Bran, Danny isn't. You don't see her again. Once she has her breaking point, turning point. Wait, which did you prefer? Breaking or turning? Breaking point. Breaking point. Yeah. You don't see her face again. Ever. I mean, we'll see it next episode. I this reminds me, Shay. No, we won't. We won't because we'll cut it off. <laughs> we saw in the trailer. We can't mention that. By the <laughs> way, Shay, this reminds me. Can you bring up those images? I guess first start with Danny with Drogon behind her. It's it, especially like we're talking about how mm-hmm. once this trailblazing begins we don't <laughs> see her face right. anymore it's you know drogon is sort of in danny's shadows literally and figuratively he represents her power mm. uh however dark it may be yeah okay now cut if you can show me show us the image of cersei with the mountain behind her in the shadows mm. it's constantly for the past couple seasons he is her shadow. he's just yeah. always there they're one and the same like the i i, I think However fair this is, it seems to me like they're trying to show that they are responsible for the other's actions. Yeah. Cersei is, when when Cersei tells the mountain to kill someone, mountain kills someone, Cersei killed someone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, Danny I, breathes, if Drogon breathes fire and so on, Danny killed him. I agree no, with that. No, Drogon, stop, stop. And, <laughs> I, and I think that when people say, oh, well, Danny passed the sentence but didn't swing the sword, I, she did no, she with did. her dragon. She swung the sword. That's her yeah. sword. That's her sword. Yeah. I, Life I, bringer. I, yeah, I, I completely disagree with, with that read of, of, of her not actually meeting out her own justice. I don't even think Sandor is particularly um, complicit in killing Micah. Like he is, but uh, he was I, a that's tool. On Joffrey. He, he, he is some. He was. Yeah. He is complicit, but he is just a tool, and that's the thing yeah. that Joffrey asked him to do that day. And he had the, you know, he had the ability to stand up and say, "No, I won't do it," and die for it. But that was kind of the only other choice he had. Uh, you know, yeah. that is a choice, but it's not a very good one. And it's the type of choice that we would have judged other characters. That John mm-hmm. would have taken his vows. He has to obey his commander. Yeah. You know? I guess he could have found the, not like he could have found the kid and not revealed he found him. You know, cheated. Yeah. But that's you know that's breaking your honor. I don't know. It's not simple. Put it that right. Way. It's uh, it's not good, but it's not straight up murder. It's not yeah. like he's straight up evil. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree. Um, so from Acre Frey, can I ask what style of dancing Sean does? I'm going to be starting dancing lessons soon, and I'm wondering, is it help me which styles to go for? Um, I 
believe that my style would be referred to as lyrical. I, I've kind of mm. learned that. I started off just doing it on my own, mostly dancing to drum and bass music and kind of branched out into hip-hop and then disco. I took a salsa class. I kind of took a page out of a bunch of books and just have come to learn that I think my style was fundamentally what would be called lyrical, which is fundamentally what you would see most pop artists dancing, Janet Jackson or Justin Timberlake or whatever. So okay. I, maybe I'm a little quicker sometimes, have a bit more of a breakdance edge to it but i don't know if that helps answer your question but i specifically try to have different types and styles in my dancing in the first place right on all right let me say some thanks you'll have a minute or two to try to sneak in one last question big thanks to ashea for running production and the chat and also weighing in more than usual that's uh tricky for her to do while and doing so i, I much would at like once. to give a i don't know disclaimer to anyone who is in the chat or in this week right now and sees leaks I want to say there are multiple fake leaks that go around, that have been going around. So you don't know what you saw. That's all. Just if, if that yeah. makes you feel better and less stressed out about things. That's, that, that's a great point. Yeah. I should have said that earlier. Yeah, yeah. We do know for a fact they filmed that they, they leaked yeah. fake leaks. And, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, we, we don't, we can't say for sure. Um, and some yeah. leaks that you may see, there may be one point of it that is valid and two points that are not real at all. So yeah. unfortunately, it will put your mind and being ready for certain things to happen if you see it, but you have a little bit of an out. <laughs> I have not seen any kind of leaks. I don't know how lucky I am to have the right people I'm following or whatever. <laughs> the closest thing I saw turned out to just be fake. Some, the actor that plays Night King supposedly yeah. tweeted something like, you know, how did the Night King turn them into zombies? He touched them. He touched Arya. You know, oh, yeah, but then yeah, like yeah. within 24 hours, it was revealed. Oh, that's not really the actor. That someone just made an account using the actor's name. And oh, I, really? I felt like I had been spoiled, oh, but goodness. it turned out that was just totally. I fake remember anyway. that tweet. I thought he was just like adding to yeah. the discussion. It wasn't even him. Yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> what a troll! That's for, for, trolls get really sophisticated these yeah. days. I think we told some of y'all what happened in our one of our streams last year. Is that someone came into the stream and you can ban them after they draw after they say something but this person came in with their name their name was Viserion dies oh yeah <laughs> so you ban them but it says Viserion dies has was, been banned yeah you know, that was, like, was that was really rough last season <laughs> i got pretty upset with that yeah that was a spoiler not because that not only spoiled me Spoiled it. I think yeah, you may have yeah, already I, spoiled it. Yeah, I've, but yeah, it spoiled a bunch of people in the and chat. And there was nothing we could do about it. Mm. Um, so now we just told anyone listening how to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just gave him a road to work the system. How to yeah. screw Spoil us. Over. us yeah. I hopefully trolls don't listen. They only to have the, one more episode to do it. I so. assume most trolls wouldn't listen to the uh, be this deep into our episode two hours. They're yeah. like, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna, they're gonna slip up. Let me just keep listening. <laughs> I'll find a way to get them. <laughs> So let's, uh, why don't we pull up uh, the old, um, get the song ready. And okay. I'll give a few more thanks while y'all are, right. are getting that ready. That, thanks will. to Michael Klarfeld for the video intro, our beautiful maps. And thanks to Joey Townsend, Jesse Coel for our, our intro, outro music. Thank you to so many of our wonderful patrons. Lord Commander George the Golden, Sir Joshua Oakhart, the White Oak, Lady Rita of the Coppermane, the Unburnt, Dance the Fervor. Sir Jeff Warden of the AC, wielder of Triad, the multifaceted beard of platinum, red and frosty. <laughs> red and frosty. Red and brown. Stay frosty. Yeah. Hmm. I think my way is funnier, though. Sir Tim Corgyle, mad boy of the Western Desert. Queen Helena von Lonstein, partying like it's 1999 since 1980-something. A kingdom for a drink. I think a kingdom was worth several drinks, so that's a great deal. Are you also getting up? Or just I am going to get up. I just wanted to read this first. 
Sure. Well, I'm done now. All right, folks. I'm getting on camera with my. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna hopefully remind you all of Elaine a little bit with some little kicks, and uh, I'm the comic relief. I am. I'm on pirate pajama pants too. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much for all uh, for entertaining us during our entertainment. And Valar redances exactly. Valar rereadus. Valar rewatches.